0: Greetings and welcome to the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. If you're new to the show, this is a long-form podcast where I sit down with guests and we just have a conversation. Now, these conversations are not scripted. They are raw and real. There's no editing. So wherever they go, they go. So hopefully you guys will enjoy the conversations as much as I know that I will. Today's episode is brought to you by nobody. Because let's be honest, nobody likes to hear ads. We all just put up with it because we think we have to. Well, you know what? I decided let's not do that for the time being and see how we get along. So let's get into what we all came here for, the actual episode. All right, folks, today we have a special guest for you, my teammate, Mr. Ryan Cohen. And Ryan is involved in a foundation called the We Defy Foundation. And it is a foundation that is set up to help get uh, disabled combat veterans into jujitsu. It's a great program that he's uh, very passionate about, and he is the Athlete Engagement Manager for the Midwest and Rocky Mountain regions. So he's got a lot on his plates, and he has recently got me involved in the foundation as well to be an ambassador and hopefully a mentor to some of these athletes who are getting started with Jiu Jitsu. That's very cool. And we wanted to come on the show today and talk about it. But of course, first we had to go back in the day and talk a little bit about Ryan and kind of some of his background and all that kind of good stuff. So we definitely had a great conversation. It was a lot of fun. Uh, he is a former uh, active duty Marine. He had two combat tours in Iraq. Uh, almost had a third in Afghanistan, but that one didn't work out, and uh, he's uh, very happy that he served, and he's, he's grateful to be getting back and, not getting, but giving back to the, uh, the combat veteran world and helping these uh, disabled veterans uh, hopefully further their life with jujitsu. It's a very cool story, without any further ado, sit back, strap in, and enjoy our conversation. Greetings and welcome back to another episode of the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hess, and today we have a good friend of mine with me, my teammate, Mr. Ryan Cohen.
1: Hey, thanks, thanks for having me on, man.
0: Thanks for coming on. It's been a uh, we've we've been talking about this for a little while, so I've been kind of excited about this one for sure. And uh, we're going to talk today, well, obviously a little bit about you, let the uh, listeners get to know you, and then we're also going to talk about the We Defy Foundation, which is something that you're very involved with, and you're getting uh, myself and one of the other friends of the podcast here, Preston Russ, uh, uh situated with and i was i was actually talking to him like hey when are you coming home like the three of us should do a podcast about He's yeah. like that would be awesome i'll be home in a couple months I'm like no come <laughs> home sooner <laughs> so unfortunately we'll have to wait for another one of those we can get pressed up here we can talk about oh, other yeah. stuff again that'll be fun uh so i apologize right now i've got the uh stuffiness and the ohio head going on from being 70 one day and snowing the next it's just tearing me up uh i just i can't deal with this year right now it's just it's destroying me so i apologize for the uh sultry sounds of my voice today uh but it is what it is we're at the push forward so ryan uh why don't you give the people a little bit of a background about kind of who you are how you grew up and all that kind of good stuff and we'll uh we'll go from
1: there okay um so uh I moved to Ohio when I was about five. Okay. I don't know how far back you want to go. Uh, but you can go
0: back as far as you as want to. As far sure. as I want, yeah.
1: Like one snowy morning, <laughs> I was born. Like, like, we don't have to go that far. But you can yeah. if you want. I don't yeah, care. Yeah. Uh, well, um, yeah. So I was uh, – we moved up to Akron when I was around five. Um, moved what, what brought your family here? Uh, my dad uh, started work for Gojo. Okay. And um, they brought him up here. We were, we were originally in South Carolina. So um, – you know, we moved from there up here, and uh, I've kind of been up here ever since. Um, so, where'd you come from originally before that? Uh, so, Columbia, South Carolina. Okay, yeah, so that's where I was born. So I always tell my wife that I was I'm a Southern boy, and uh, even though I've been up in Akron on and off for about thirty years um so it's 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 been a great uh it's been great up here we we really like it were um, you uh estranged from like all of your family and stuff so you got a bunch of family down in south carolina or no no we didn't have any family my my aunt lived down there and uh, once we moved she moved as well okay so um well, that makes things easier yeah yeah so she moved actually up to cleveland so my my mom is originally from toledo okay um and then my dad is originally from chicago so they both they both met um i believe they met in when they were going to college in Toledo okay so my dad was getting his law degree from there and my mom was getting her nursing degree from there so um yeah so they met there and um kind of eventually made their way back over to Akron so um yeah so I went you know grew up in Akron um and my older brother uh joined the uh, Marine Corps um we always had like uh, ambitions of ju- going into the into the military and something you kind, kind of, of always stuff. wanted to do was yeah. it like a family
0: thing was there, you have other members of the family in or just like just uh so something my, that you and your brother thought about
1: so my dad's uncle um actually uh was in the military and he was in world war ii uh actually died during uh, d-day okay so um that's about as far as i know of military background in our family so
0: it's it's there but it's not yeah, huge and dwelled upon a lot, maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, it's actually funny. My mom blames herself for for me and my older brother going into the to the military because she used to take us to, um, a military base down in South Carolina. Um, it's, it's it was an army base. I can't remember the name of it. Um, probably some of the other listeners probably know. It's probably it's close to South Carolina, uh, Columbia, South Carolina. So, um, so ever since. We were younger. We always dressed up in uh, military fatigues for like Halloween and yeah, stuff what like I think, that. I think
0: a lot of boys do that. It's it's a pretty natural thing. Yeah, I, mean, I know. Like it was really big for me as I had like I had an uncle in the Marines. I had a grandfather in the Air Force. Another grandfather in the Army. You know, it's like it's it's always kind of been around the family. Yeah. It's always been kind of a big thing. I like a. Cousin go into the the navy, you know, like there's like oh, a bunch of people in the family yeah. through that. So it's, I think it's pretty normal for especially, you know, I'm, I'm you know American boys to kind of think about yeah. the military kind of stuff. Yeah, well, with all the glorified war movies back in the day and all that kind of stuff. They're a little bit more realistic now. But, you know, back in the day, obviously, they were very glorified.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, nowadays, they're dressing up in, like, these uh, Transformer costumes and, like, all these crazy stuff now. Like, and, anyways, I've got two kids, uh, six and a three-year-old. So, they, they, they definitely keep us busy and everything like that. But, um, so, yeah. So, um, when I was in, oh, gosh, it was uh, probably high school, my older brother. Um, decided that he was going to join the Marine Corps and uh, he went reservist. And uh, I guess to be honest, I don't really remember why he decided to the Marine Corps. Um, I, you know, everybody, all the branches kind of fight back and forth. Of course,
0: you know, but he realistically probably wanted to be in the men's department of the <laughs> Navy. So. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so he went to boot camp in uh, 2003, uh, joined um, the reservist unit. He was an, an, uh, a grunt, so an 0311 infantryman. Um and uh joined the reservist unit out of like Brook Park and Columbus. It's uh, Lima three twenty-five. Um, a lot of people in Ohio probably have heard of them. They're one of the units that took some of the biggest casualties um over in Iraq. And um he actually had to be medevaced prior to any of that. He um I believe he tore both of his ACLs. Um he was doing like um house to house searches and all that kind of stuff. Um, tore both of his ACLs and actually had to get medevaced and had to get surgery. I think he had actually had surgery in Kuwait. Okay. So, um, which is just outside of Iraq. So that's kind of like the staging area, if you will, is my understanding for for people when they get go into into country. So, um, uh, spent a couple of days in Kuwait myself, but uh, not not too much time. So, um, so yeah. So my older brother went into the Marine Corps. Um, and, uh, when I was in high school, like, dude, I, I barely made it through high school. I'll be just honest. Just didn't care
0: or like just didn't study yeah. well or just wanted to have too much fun with your friends? Like what was going on?
1: Just a little bit of both. Okay. Um,
0: so I wasn't. What about like,
1: uh, activities, sports, um, band. We played every band, sport. anything like that? Yeah. Or... So the biggest sport in our family was ice hockey. Okay. So, um. And Akron, we... really? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Okay. Uh, so we strapped on, I think. When the earliest when I strapped on skates, so I was about six years old. Um, and I'll never forget this. Like when we were trying to learn, we were learning up at Kent State. And uh, we would always come off the ice and tell my mom. I was like, mom, our feet hurt. And she's like, you know what? It's okay. Just just get back out there and blah, blah, blah. So she just kept pushing us to get back out there. And I'll never forget. I was like, you know what? You need to put on skates. And you need to try it. And she put on skates. And she goes, I'm really sorry. This really does hurt. So, um, but yeah, so hockey was like huge in our family. So my, um, my, my little brother, I call him my baby brother. He's, he's really not a baby. He's taller than I am and (laughs) about 210, 215 pounds. He's a big kid. Um, and, uh, so he grew up playing, um, ice hockey as well. Like all three of us and my cousin played ice hockey, but my cousin played ice hockey for IU, okay, uh, Indiana. Indiana University, I think. Yeah. And then my little brother played for UK, uh, University Kentucky. Um so hockey was a big, big part of our lives. Was it
0: like did you even have a high school team or is all club stuff, right?
1: Yeah, it's all club stuff. Yeah, there's no high school team, but um somehow my dad got my little brother to uh get a letter and uh uh, from Firestone High School, which I think he's probably the only person to ever let her with hockey. That
0: would make sense if yeah. there's no team.
1: Yeah. So, um, but yeah, um, so, so hockey was huge for us. Um, my older brother and I played on the same team. And- is it
0: fair to say that maybe you spent too much time thinking about hockey and then just didn't care about school? Is, is that mm-hmm. like a fair thing or? I
1: think I was just a bad student. Okay. I just didn't have any drive or okay. any focus. No, or no, I like can, that. I can understand
0: yeah. because like, I know in high school for me, it's, I realized, you know, pretty early it was just a waste of time and I just didn't care. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I, I still got good grades. I think I graduated with like a solid B average, but like I never took anything home. I never studied. I just crammed and memorized shit for a test and then just dumped it all and forgot everything. You know, yeah. it's like, well, if I have to be here, I will. But I can remember specifically my freshman year just fucking around too much and just not getting work done that I needed to get done in class. I think I failed two classes. And one of them was like, well, tough shit. You failed that one. It is what it is. You have to retake it. I think it was algebra. And then the other one was like uh, ag sciences, which was like, I'm like, supposed to be like a science credit. And they ended up taking it away. And I had to like actually take real science credits like later on in the, my career, but I didn't know at the time, obviously. But my teacher was like, hey, like you're a good kid. You're just being a shithead. You didn't get the stuff done. Like. Do some extra work for me and I'll, I'll pass you. I'll at least give you like a, a C or a D or whatever it was so you're not failing yeah. so that way I could play football the next semester. Because I was like, I wasn't going to get to play football because I, I had two failing grades and my GPA was going to be too low. So he hooked me up. Yeah. And that was kind of like the kick in the ass that I needed. i like, okay, well, I don't have to love this. And I certainly don't. I think it's all bullshit. I was the asshole in class that was like, uh, what do we use this for in the real world? They're like, oh, it's for this. I'm like, does anyone want to do that? <laughs> Looks like a no. Can we fucking skip it? You know, and I would get sent to the principal's office a lot. It was bad, but it's like I realized after that that kick in the ass from Dale Sn- uh, uh, Seidel. I was like, "Thank you, Mister Seidel." Uh, was like, "Okay, well, I at least need to do it enough that I can play sports." Yeah. If it wasn't for sports, I say I would not have gotten through school because I I would have just not cared yeah. and just not showed
1: up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I agree. I um I also played sports in uh, other sports outside of hockey. Um so I was in band for two years in in high school. Um and decided that uh band wasn't for me. I was in and then uh decided to play football for for my last two years. Um and then also What well position? Uh it was uh D line. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean back then it was two hundred and seventy five pounds. That's a big six, boy six, in yeah, high it, school, yeah. yeah. So um man, we had a lot of fun. Um uh, Well oh, football our, was a blast. Yeah. If mm-hmm. I if
0: I could go back and do it all over again for football, I wouldn't heartbeat.
1: Yeah we weren't we weren't a very good team but man um it taught you a lot um about respect and uh hard work the shared suffering Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of good things yeah so our actually our head coach was a marine corps veteran okay so uh he ran the ran the team that way um so (laughs) we would always have um, meals prior to like games and stuff like that you'd sit there no talking no talking was allowed and i was like this is weird and then I remember when I did get, eventually get to boot camp in the Marine Corps, like there was no talking. And I was like, okay, like this, it kind of like gets your mind prepped and everything. Yeah, like, like allows
0: you to focus on what you're going yeah. into.
1: Yeah, and then same thing with the bus rides over, no talking, no playing around. It was like, it was like game time, you know? Um, So that was that was really good. So I played football for about two years. And then um, my senior year um, after football, I went into the wrestling team, okay. which the wrestling team – um man, that was that was an experience. I only wrestled wrestled once for a year when I was in middle school. Um, I really wish I would have stuck with it. Uh just I because... think
0: everybody who didn't stick with it kind of wishes they did, yeah. especially the ones like us who find jujitsu later in life, and we see these guys come in the gym. Who have, you know, 10, 12 plus years of wrestling experience. Like, they, they're a holy ter- terror to deal yeah. with. And it's like, holy shit. If, if I would have stuck with it, like, if I, like, for me, if I would have done that instead of trying to play basketball, which I hated. Yeah. But everybody expected me to because I was tall. You know, it was like, ah what are we doing here yeah you know but it's like i I wish i would have done that because it would have been much more useful
1: yeah there's just i don't know in in my opinion um i've got a lot of good friends um even just outside of the gym that did wrestling a lot uh to uh one of them wrestled in at revere and stuff like that and like there's just something like different about like their character and their personalities and stuff like that it's good yeah it's not a bad thing um it's really good so i know that when um so when my boys start getting older, I'm going to get them into you know wrestling. Um, my youngest, or I'm sorry, my oldest right now is into swimming. Um, he's done three swimming meets already, um, and he's he's still learning. And it's I mean everybody's still learning, but of course. um, it's a lot of fun. You know, sports and stuff like that is is fun to watch. And um, my youngest, he's going to be a terror whenever whenever I get him into wrestling. So he's um, he'll be four in april okay and i think that that's like from what i'm told that's right around the time when you can start wrestling and stuff like that i i don't know but i um, would
0: if if i were you i would talk to like coach mm -hmm. i would talk to maybe neptune and gibby and some of those guys who did wrestle like Mm -hmm. super super long and started really young and see if it maybe makes sense to get them started a little bit later maybe or let them kind of dabble in it but not really focus on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like find a place that maybe does drills, but they don't go out and compete and do that kind of stuff super early. Yeah. Because again, like as you and I both know, like kids get burnt out on stuff and it's like, you want to get them into it at the right time where they're interested, but they've been exposed to a bunch of other activities Mm -hmm. to allow them to learn like how to use their bodies and move as athletes. Like people talk about it with kids, like uh, focus more on the GPP than trying to be like really specific at one sport. Because as we all know, the cream rises to the top. Yeah. Just just because your little Billy, you know, plays baseball from the time that he was two and to go into high school, it's like there might be somebody there who's just more physically gifted, who's taller, or, like who's more handsome, has better hair. Like who knows? Like there's these other things that you can't train for, you know, and there might come out and just just whoop them just because they're just better and there's nothing you can do about that even though they've got tons of experience they understand the game and those kind of things it it doesn't mean they're going to be the best and a lot of parents kind of forget that because they can put blinders on about their own kids and most people are just naive and thinking that their kid's going to go to college on a scholarship and it's like well statistics show that that's not likely going to be the case yeah it's possible sure but I, I'm a big proponent of just GPP, just general physical preparedness, mm-hmm. doing a bunch of different stuff. And I know for me specifically, it's like that's all we ever did was play sports growing up. And we were always outside. We were always playing. And like the trampoline, learned really good like body awareness and control, doing that as a kid, you know, just, I mean, doing everything from like swimming to baseball to to like playing roller hockey. To, I mean, just like anything you could think of. Like we did it. Like we, we were always just doing yeah. stuff. Yeah. You know, so it's, I think that's better for kids than just, know getting them involved like at four and then really focusing on that i mean granted they love it that's fine but let them do other stuff as well that's, yeah. that's all i'm trying to say like but maybe because i know like coach he doesn't like kids starting until they're like seven or eight or mm-hmm. like, kind of about that age because then they're old enough to realize okay this is something that maybe i need to take more seriously mm-hmm. little kids you just you yeah. don't know yeah just let them have fun
1: yeah but right what I, what I really like about the sports and everything like that is like um like, I watched my my oldest. Um, he really only started Swim Team, I do like two, three months ago. And um, I remember, like, his first couple of times out, like, he was so frustrated. He got so upset. And, um, like, just teaching him the, 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 the you know, the, to continue to push forward and figure it out and stuff like yeah. that. and Like, like how do
0: you expect to be good? You've been there for two months. Calm down. Yeah. Chill
1: out. Yeah. So, like, I'm trying to, like,
0: relate that back to, like, uh, real think, life stuff. I right, think like, that's what's so important about sports for kids Mm -hmm. and the fact that a lot of these parents are being like just tyrants and they're taking that away from these children it's like well we don't keep score because we don't hurt anybody's feelings like well the real world keeps score so you might want to teach them now and teach them how to deal with frustration how to deal with loss how to not be bitter and upset against their opponents how about they should go shake their hand and congratulate them and realize okay they're better than me today it doesn't mean they're better than me as a person they were just better. They they perform better in an activity than I did today. But yeah. guess what? Tomorrow I can go work harder, and that's what you need to teach kids. Yeah, and like these parents are just taking it away. It's just it's frustrating. I don't understand. And
1: it. that's that's what I like about the swim team. So like he actually like as I said he had a swim me yesterday, and it was really fun because um his first um what do they call them heats mm-hmm. heats yeah. yeah. So his first heat he actually lost and um you know he lost by quite a bit and what's interesting is like you he can tell it right then and there and um, you can he he didn't like that he didn't like good. it very much good good losing you know, sucks yeah so we sat him down and you know where they came in you got to you got to focus just a little bit more cuz he's he's always worried about the person next to him like he I've watched him lose a couple of times again I know he sticks I understand that but I've watched him lose a couple of times because he's more focused on looking at the person yes. next to him and he will take the time to, to watch them to see where they're at versus the dude, just, just focusing just on focus him on you and swimming his race and go. Yeah. So, um, you know, then he came back out and, um, you know, he won, he got in second and then I think he won one of the other ones because he realized like, Hey, if I keep trying hard a little bit harder, like I don't like to lose. Yeah. It's not fun. I love
0: it. I fucking love it. Like yeah. I can, I was on the swim team. Since, I mean, we were in the pool since I was, like, old enough to walk. We were, all, we were in swim lessons, got on the swim team, did all this kind of things growing up. And I eventually quit because it got in the way of baseball. I wanted to yeah. play baseball. I was horrible at baseball. I probably shouldn't have played baseball. But whatever, right? Yeah, your kids want to play baseball. Yeah. That's what we did. I was, I was really bad at it. But, um, but I, I can remember one time specifically. I don't know why this one stands out. But I was, I was doing a, a race for the breaststroke. I was at Orville Swimming Pool. And I can remember watching this guy like coming up on my side and I'm like, the fuck you, you're not going to beat me. And I dug down and I kicked his ass, like just like really got in. But like for me, looking back now, if I would have had someone on the side telling me what you're telling your side is like, hey, don't worry about them. Just go out and do your best. If you win, yeah. you win. If you don't, you don't, whatever. We'll get better and keep working in the future. But it's like I was just out there just dicking around and I saw someone was about to beat me because I was usually winning because I was... I was always taller than everybody my age. I grew very quickly. I think I mean I was this height at 15 years old, freshman oh, in gosh. high school. You know, so it's like I mean I was always like the tallest kid in class and everything else. And I can remember like being a kid and like going to like Disney World or something. Like, oh, you can't ride this; you're too old. I'm like, I'm young. I just I'm tall. I, I can't help it. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, it's it's just <laughs> it is what it is. But so it's like I've always like kind of been better than a lot of other people at sports, just because I'm kind of naturally athletic and I'm. I'm usually taller and bigger than everybody else, than everybody else there. So mm-hmm. for me, it's like, oh, will bet you're not going to beat me. Yeah. But if I would have just, again, like had someone to set me aside, like, dude, like, don't worry about them. Just go out and do your best. Don't worry about it. Like, yeah. how much better could I have been? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Looking back, it's like, shit. You know? Yeah.
1: But. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Sports, sports is really important in my life. Um, my wife grew up playing a ton of sports. Um, so her biggest... You know, um, she played soccer, basketball, um, and her father was huge into golf. Okay. Um, and I never really got too huge into golf until I sat down and started talking to him about it. Um, and I actually enjoy like sitting and watching golf with him. Um, so unfortunately he passed away about six years ago. So, but we still talk about him a ton to our kids Good. and everything like that. Yeah. Keep his memory so, alive. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was a great guy. Great guy um he actually was the one who gave me my first set of golf clubs um and he was so proud of it and uh you know i still have them and use them and everything like that that's cool so it's 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 really fun um i'm not the best golfer
0: none Uh, of us are there's a reason
1: why there's uh professionals
0: yeah you know yeah because most of us aren't there
1: but i can i can get i can get down that you know i can get down the, the the fairway and all that kind of stuff and do okay um so, um, but yeah, so kind of going back, um yeah, played football in in high school and everything like that, and um,
0: so dare I say, you kind of physically prepared yourself for your military experience through, you know, again, like tough, tough athletics, hockey, football, learning the discipline, le- learning how to work together as a team, how to not be selfish, you know there's lots of good things there, I think,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I did learn a lot of that stuff, and that was good. Teamwork and everything was was really good. Um, so it wasn't until, um, you know, about like six months out, I started realizing how overweight I was um, because you needed to be under a certain weight to get into boot camp, and um, I was not under that weight. So um, really started focusing on, like, my nutrition and, and stuff like that. Um, and when I went into – so I signed up for the Marine Corps about a year – so they call it the, the DEBT program, Delayed Entry Program. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they still call it that. I mean, this is- I've
0: heard people talk about it, so I would assume. Yeah.
1: So this was back in, I joined the Marine Corps in 2005. So this was 2004 when so I you were actually probably, what, signed up. Yeah, I was 17 when I joined the, the Delayed Entry Program, but I was 18 when I went in. Of
0: course, mean they have to wait. I mean, but you probably yeah. signed when you were 17 with a parent's yeah. signature
1: and then waited until you were 18 to go. Yeah, both yeah. my parents had to sign. Yep. Um, and uh, so that was kind of interesting um uh especially cuz my parents divorced when I was in 6th grade uh so like getting them both to like sign this paper was kind of uh was interesting they they didn't hesitate but um they wanted to make sure that I knew that I was making the right decision um so when I signed the delayed entry program something clicked in my brain and um I started going to like these meetups with um people that are about to go to, to boot camp and all that kind of stuff with the local uh, recruiters and everything and uh all of a sudden my grades started getting way better because i started focusing a little bit more um and i actually um it was, it was like last week my dad had a had an old folder of, of like stuff that he that he gave me and like i saw like report cards i have no idea why he kept my report cards but he did and i saw like my report cards from like my my freshman sophomore junior year and they were like shit and then my senior year all of a sudden they're getting better yeah. and better and better um, and then I was like an A and B student, um, during my senior year after I signed up. So that was, that was already like a, uh, like a life changing thing for me. Um, and then I remember over the summer, so I joined, I went in, in August, obviously graduated from high school in like, uh, May or June. Um, so like over the summer, I just try to spend as much time with friends playing outside, um and that kind of stuff and uh you know I had to work and all that kind of, of course. like had a part time job um but uh just had so much fun and then i remember i remember sitting outside of my mom's house right before we we uh right before like i left for boot camp and uh the, the recruiter came to pick us up and all that kind of stuff and i just i'll never forget that like my mom was just like looking at me like <laughs> You know, like I'm gonna come back a different, totally different person, and hopefully, just, yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully. And uh, I, I just, just that that moment, I like, just like lives in my mind. Um, you know, and then, uh, um, actually getting in, going into boot camp and like they're screaming at you and getting off the bus, standing on the yellow footprints and all that kind of stuff. Like it's, it's, it's intense. Yeah, you it, know? It's,
0: but it's meant to be. It's a culture shock, and that's the idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, hey, this isn't like your cushy little yeah. childhood that you've had. Like, it's yeah. time to be an adult and grow up.
1: Yeah. So, um, right right when I got into uh, boot camp, um, they have you do uh, an IST, initial strength test. I think, again, I don't know if they moved away from it. They were moving away from it for – they. They had a PFT, physical fitness test, but I think that they were moving away from that. When I mean, I was like, unfortunately,
0: from all the stuff that I've heard in podcasts and whatnot, I have no experience. Yeah. We've never been in the military, but from all the podcasts I listen to, people in, especially who were in before, like, 9-11 and all that kind of stuff and pe- people after, it's like they've they've made things much easier. Yeah. All right? But not not just because they needed bodies. They needed more people because we were at war, obviously. Yeah. But also because the kids coming in were softer yeah i mean simply look at the 1960s gym class you know it was like a physical fitness test for the military yeah you see all these guys running through it and gals as well all the guys got freaking six packs and they're ripped and all the gals are in really great shape and nobody's overweight you know and then now you fast forward you know 40 50 years to where we are now and Mm -hmm. it's like it's a shit show like yeah like all these kids are just fat you know because it's like it's really easy to eat Twinkies and Doritos, yeah, yeah, you know, like, whereas back in the day, obviously, like, you, you had to work well hard to just have regular food. Yeah. You know, now we're all kind of realizing that, oh, okay, the stuff we've all grown up on, cereal and donuts and all this, it's all fucking poison. Yeah. You shouldn't be
1: eating it. No.
0: I mean, granted, I'm guilty. I love that stuff. Oh, That's of course. The reason why I'm overweight,
1: but. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Same here. Yeah. Same here. So, uh, but yeah. Um, so when I, when I, when I got there, uh, I trained for so long and uh, actually, you had, to, how much weight did you have to lose before going in? I'll be like 50 pounds. Uh, no, it wasn't that bad. It was probably about 30 pounds. Okay. So Still, that's, a, that's quite a bit. Yeah. But I think I did the wrestler thing too, you know, where I dropped like the last 10 to 15 pounds, like a couple of days prior. Just with water weight. Yeah. How, and, how good
0: of an idea, idea was that?
1: yeah, bad idea, bad idea, bad idea um so because i dropped so much water weight i actually ended up failing my ist my initial strength test dehydrated and yeah so i couldn't do i couldn't do any pull-ups which was like i couldn't do one pull-up and i'm sitting here at marine corps boot camp and i couldn't do one pull-up which sucks because like i went in with a buddy program with with one of my buddies from high school um so like and i was in third battalion um which was like my brother's battalion so like um the third recruiting battalion there's um there's actually four one uh, first second third and then fourth is for females um i think now the they're doing like a uh combined where it's like females and males i don't really know um but back then it was just first second and third are just males and then fourth is is, is females so i was in third battalion which i was pumped about because my brother was 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 third battalion and then i then i fucking failed ist the initial strength test so what they do is they bump you back. Yeah, they hold you back. So and they send get me- you stronger and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So they send you to PCP, which is like physical condition. I forget what it's called, but they they I don't know. Yeah, anyway, so then I was stuck there for two weeks, which is like like I feel like it's like purgatory or something like that. You know what I mean? Like yep. you're not you're not moving forward, but you're not kind of going backwards. Welcome
0: to the military. Yeah. You're on our time now,
1: bitch. Yeah. So like and like, dude, I did the. um like, my runtime was great. I did a mile and a half back then. I think it was just, just over 10 minutes for a mile and a half. Ah. Um, You know, at 230 pounds, I don't think that was too bad. That's great. Are you kidding me? And I did all the crunches and everything like that. Anyway, so they bumped me back, and I was kind of really, like, upset and sad about that. And um, so, I mean, boot camp was just, like, the whole, th- the whole experience was just insane. But, you know, fast forward through all of boot camp, I went from... I weighed myself in at at the very beginning, and I was around, I think it was around two forty five to two fifty. Okay. And fast forward, and mind you, no, couldn't do any pull ups. Towards the end of boot camp, we we did one final PFT. So that the PFT is is three mile run, as many pull ups as you can do with with a max of twenty, and then like a hundred crunches. And there's a time limit and all that kind of stuff for it. Um. So then at the end, I was. I was under 20 minutes for my, for my three mile run. I did, I think I was doing 16 or 17 pull-ups, which is insane. I could not do that now. And then did the hundred crunches. So like, it was a pretty respectable, like PFT at the time. You
0: really turned it around. Yeah. Really?
1: Yeah. And then when I got, probably
0: dropped a bunch of weight too. Yeah.
1: I weighed in when I got home at 210 pounds. So, um, so So dare I
0: say that's probably like your fighting weight because you're how tall?
1: Uh, about six two. Yeah, six so one, like, you're a pretty big guy.
0: Yeah, you know. So I mean, because it's it's funny. Like you see those stupid, what is it the the BMI scales or whatever. It yeah. says to somebody at my height six five that should be like you know 190 pounds. I'm like suck my ass. Like, yeah. I haven't been that fucking like light since I was in eighth grade when yeah. I was six inches shorter. Like, oh, like fuck off. Like yeah. that's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, man. It was um. Yeah, it was crazy. And then I, then I fought with my weight the entire time when I was in the Marine Corps. Um, and it Cause was, you had to meet regulation or, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But as long as you passed body fat percentage, you were, okay. You were always okay. Yeah. So I always passed body fat percentage, which is like, I always remember like, well, we got to do weigh-ins and I'm like, okay, well, it's like, I'm not going to pass the weigh-ins. You know, Can you're to be over. Yeah. Can which, which just,
0: is hilarious. Cause again, like some of those standards are set again on like normal kind of people. And it's yeah. like, if you get somebody who's like a little bit bigger bones or athletic, it's like, yeah, <laughs> they do, they, <laughs> damn it. They just hold more size. Yeah. Like, I mean, a great example of this is like if you look at a lot of those scales, they'll tell you the NBA players are all obese. And it's like what the fuck are you talking? Have you seen like those guys are so fucking lean, like they're not even healthy. Like they need to put some weight on. Yeah. You know, it's like, Oh my oh my god, like yeah, they look shredded, sure, but it's because they're Yeah. Like they're
1: underweight. Yeah. So, um so it was one of my one of my best buds, um, Brent Jones. I actually talked to him yesterday, which is really nice um i actually ended up going into um mos school so marine or military occupational specialty school with him um and what's interesting is if i wouldn't have gotten pushed back from my two weeks um like at the beginning of boot camp i wouldn't have been in the same mos school as he was um and jones we just call everybody by the last name of course that's the military yeah yeah he's been one of the most inspirational people in my life even though like you know, I've told him it, but I don't think he totally understands it. And it's because he's this, um, he's, he's a Cali boy, but this dude lifts all the time. And um, I remember, like, when we got out, so I did my MOS training out in uh, Camp Pendleton. So I was an amphibious assault Vehicle Crewman. So we did ship to shore stuff, and then we actually drove these, these vehicles over in Iraq. Um, but anyway, so Jones, um, uh, you know, always went to the gym. When we were out there and I'm like, dude, can you, can you take me and teach me and stuff like that? And he's like, sure. And he really took the time to teach me and show me. how, yeah, Which to is, everything.
0: which is uncommon because you'll see a gym rat who usually doesn't want anything to do with a new person because they just yeah. want to go there. They want to do their thing. They want to get done and get out yeah. and focus on them that you like, I hate to say it this way, but like most bodybuilders I've ever met are super vain. Yeah. All they care about is themselves. They don't care about anybody else. They're not looking to be helpful in the gym or anything like that unless there's a beautiful woman there. Then they'll yeah. be out of their way to go help them. But um, obviously, there's different reasoning
1: for yeah. that. Maybe, that. Maybe I was just the ugly friend so that it would but, make him But it's
0: nice though to, like, to have someone, again, yeah. to take the time to show you how to do things properly and to take away from themselves to give to others. That's yeah. a beautiful thing
1: so like that was one of the most pivotal parts of like my life is like meeting him and um you know i don't think he will ever totally understand just because like how do you like explain that to somebody there are words for it um so like you know we did you know we we all we ended up getting um when we got to the fleet him and i were in the same group um the same battalion same company same platoon everything like that and actually we got put on the same vehicle together which was really nice um and uh you know he taught me how to lift and everything and then we deployed my first deployment was in um when was it 2006 Where'd so Where would you go Uh so first deployment was to Fallujah Iraq and um again Jones and I were on the same vehicle together so we our job was to do um uh security MSR mobile main supply route mobile it's a big road that that connects um Fallujah Baghdad and Ramadi together um, among other things but that's kind of like where we where we kind of stood
0: what was the IED threat like at that time I, was, I think it got worse like what oh eight oh nine
1: yeah I mean I don't think it I think it was it was pretty bad okay I mean um we we found probably more than i don't know we found too many for us to count yeah um and uh you always had to be mindful and always had to be watchful so uh another thing that you had to look into was like underpasses and overpasses and they would put you know um ieds under the ground like um like in like they call it just covers something like that just like under the ground Yeah. yeah um so we'd always have to dismount go down there and check it we'd always put barbed wire around it to make sure that nobody could get in i mean you know how safe barbed wire is but whatever um, something try, yeah, yeah, so we also did some uh pushes through like Saddam's old ammo supply points, um and and we found we found some crazy stuff out there, like nothing like too like crazy, but like um, I man we were just we were just driving down the middle of the desert, and uh I look over at the vehicle next to us, and they just like slam on their brakes. And the way that the vehicles are, they're very front heavy. So if you slam on the brakes, they'll actually kind of do like an endo <laughs> and slam back down. And, uh, you know, they get over on the radio and like everybody back up, back up. And they found um, there was probably like, I don't know, like fifty one five five rounds, Jesus. which is just like in the middle of the desert. And uh, so obviously we had to call EOD in, and, and they, they kind of blew it all up, which was kind of cool to watch from a safe distance.
0: Yeah, but think, like, you were yeah. literally probably a couple of meters yeah. from running into that shit and yeah. seeing it up close. Yeah, so... Which we um, probably wouldn't be talking now. Yeah.
1: So, the first deployment was out of Fallujah. We did, um, I mean, we, we went through downtown Fallujah. We went through Baghdad. Um, but a lot of our time was spent on this this main supply route to make sure that it was clear. We There was, um, I think it was like a 50 to 75 mile stretch um, you had North and South, so we, it was kind of dependent on what you would do. Um, but we would go out for about eight to 10 hours at a time. And, um, you know, it was, it was just, it's crazy. You just yeah. driving in these crazy, vehicles. I think
0: is the right word for that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, uh, like doing, doing ops into Fallujah was kind of, was interesting. Uh, we, luckily we didn't do too many unmounted, uh, you know, patrols and stuff like that. So like on foot, but we did kick in a few doors, nothing too crazy um so that i mean just a crazy experience just to just in general and then uh got back in uh april of 2007 yeah april 2007 marine corps is, is about seven month deployments and then we were told that we were going to be going back over there in about a year okay. so we started doing workups again yep. Um, and then the second tour, um, they actually pulled the, the amphibious assault vehicles out of Iraq and we were going to be in the new MRAPs. So everybody had to get trained and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, um, and I'm I going too in depth. No, no, that? please.
0: This is, this is fascinating.
1: Yeah. So, so the new MRAPs were really cool. They were, you definitely felt safe. It was pretty much, it was a tank that was just on wheels. Um, the only p- problem that I ever noticed was they were too underpowered um okay the engines weren't big enough for for, for all what that they armor were. yeah um so you had to get creative sometimes to get over certain obstacles and stuff like that um but you knew you were safe in them which is nice uh so the second tour we started off in fallujah um and it was weird being back in the same base um and we were there for about two or three weeks and then we went um our entire unit got attached to uh one nine, First Battalion, Ninth Marines. Um when they were out of Ramadi. Oh, so we Jesus. were going to we were going to So you were in Ramadi it, what time? Two thousand and eight. Yeah. So Isn't that
0: like when it was like at its
1: worst? Um No, I don't I don't it was know. Like, oh
0: seven oh eight wasn't it like the super bad time to be in Ramadi.
1: I don't think there's ever a good time to be there. Personally. I understand there's never a good time, but yeah. So we actually – so what, what our jobs were going to be were we were going to run entry control points into downtown Ramadi. Um, so we would be living, like, in these tiny, like, fobs is what they call them for, the operating positions. And we would be living in them. And the one that we lived in at first, we lived there for about a month and a half to two months. And it was actually – was a compound. We lived in one house. And then in the other house was the Iraqi police. And uh, that was a really interesting experience, kind of living in the same compound with the Iraqi police and everything. So you actually stood guard, you stood watch with other Iraqis. Um, but yeah, so we ran uh, we ran the the entry control points, and um, we did a big kind of handover during that time. Um, over to the Iraqis and they, they kind of like started taking more yeah. of the role. Because that was the like whole that.
0: idea about that time is like, hey, let's get these people up to speed so we can yeah. go home, let them handle their own mm-hmm. country. Yeah. Obviously, now we can realize that was a very bad idea. Yeah. But it's just, it is what it is. I mean, you can't be there forever.
1: Yeah. Um, and actually, the, the first place, the, the, the first compound that we went into, it was, um, I think it was the day or two before we were supposed to, when we were going to go over there, they actually had a uh, a suicide bomber come through with like a thousand pounds and like a dump truck. And um, uh,
0: give somebody a perspective of what that means. So you just say a thousand pounds, I think, oh, that's a lot. But what does that? What does that mean?
1: Like, <laughs> uh, it's just it's you know probably don't want to be within like. For an example. I remember hearing the explosion and we were probably like I remember feeling the explosion and we were probably a couple miles away. Miles. Yeah. So a
0: pretty fucking big explosion. Yeah.
1: Like I remember feeling like it hit you hit you in the chest and we were we were miles away. Yeah. That's um, that's
0: insane to even think about.
1: Yeah. So um these two Marines, I mean, these two Marines stood their fucking grounds. And just opened up fire and uh, without them standing there, the, everybody else in the in the base would have not made it because it was literally – I them. think I've
0: heard about that like on other podcasts. I yeah. think I've heard literally people talk about that specifically, mm-hmm. about these like two Marines that like saved countless lives by like yeah. sitting there obviously sacrificing their lives. Yeah. You know, to to defend off like somebody driving in.
1: Yeah, and I and I saw and I have photos of like of like the aftermath and everything like that. And like it's I, – I was saying everything's
0: just decimated. Yeah. within like I mean, uh, hundreds of meters. I would think
1: it was it was insane. Um, knowing again then like like I stood watch where those Marines like stood watch, and uh, just like it, it filled you with with um, with pride knowing that these Marines like. Like they they literally I, I hate to
0: say it this way, but like they did their job, yeah, they protected other people from harm and putting themselves mm-hmm. in harm's way instead of running,
1: yeah, yeah, so um, you know that's that's you you go to that base, and that's a real eye opening experience, so again, so then what we would be doing is we ran this this entry control point, so we would have two or three lanes where we would search the vehicles. I had no fucking clue what would be in these vehicles. Um, but what, you know, a lot of, a lot of it was, luckily we didn't find anything of, like ever too crazy. Um, we did see like a Chevy truck roll through with Texas plates on it, which was kind of interesting.
0: That's different.
1: Yeah. So um, anyways, but, so we were there for about a month and a half, two months. And um, we, then we went over to kind of the middle of nowhere so imagine like a highway like and then like we were just like living on the side of the road at this highway and we'd have like big semi trucks come through and then we'd search them and all that kind of stuff um and then uh i got stationed over there with another one of my with one of my best friends now um his name's michael bagwell i actually talked to him yesterday too which is great so um him and i lifted together all you know five six days a week whenever we could and uh i don't know it was again it was another like experience and uh so our jobs too were to um so we had these these retina scanners um and they would kind of create they imagine like a fingerprint or something like that this is 2008 mind you so, like, what kind of stuff did they have in 2008 versus what do they have now? Of so, course. I mean, like, this, obviously
0: we all know that the military is always way yeah. ahead of the civilian market. Yeah. So anything that we have in our, our market now, think the military is probably 10-ish years ahead.
1: Yeah. So it was this little box and you'd honestly scan Iraqis' eyes with them. So I would see five to 600 Iraqis a day. And like I picked up enough Arabic back then to um, like hold my own. I don't remember like any of it now.
0: Well, because you are immersed in the culture. That, yeah. That's the best way to learn a language.
1: Yeah. So, um, so it was. It was just. It was really interesting. And um, like other stuff that I found was interesting is like you'd make these. If somebody didn't have a profile, you would bring them in, and then you would make them a profile. It's like you know, kind of like a, like a driver's license, yeah. just like an ID card. Um, and stuff like, I never totally understood, but like you could tell when people didn't always want you to know if they spoke English. Um, and it was usually the, um, I want to say it was like the Christians that always spoke English and like, so we would have like these, these like off the wall shit that we would say to see if they would like react underst- to it, react to yeah, us. Okay. like, because like, we'd be like, I, you want to just know if somebody like understands you. So like, you'd say like, there's some crazy stuff. And, um, you'd be like, I know you speak English. I know you speak English. And like, you wouldn't like broadcast it. Obviously there's a reason why they don't want people to know, but like, it's good for you personally to know. Um, but yeah. And then, um, in that spot, uh, where we scanned people's eyes and all that kind of stuff, um, we got word that there was going to be a suicide vest coming in, um, within like a week or two. I don't know how we knew it was going to be a week or two. Well above my paper. Yeah. Back I mean, then, the,
0: like, the Intel back then was so yeah sporadic at best i mean Mm -hmm. you, you hear rumors you don't know if it's true or not you don't know but you obviously still have to be aware yeah like okay well we'll keep our eyes open
1: so we did a we did a changeover so another unit came in and took over for us and uh so we trained them for about a week or two on kind of what to watch and and all that kind of stuff which was i mean i always enjoy that time because like you get to talk and you get to sit with other guys and Um, I mean, you're on post for eight hours with a guy, like, what are you going to do? Just stare and not talk to him. So, um, we always had cigars and stuff like that. And we always smoked cigars, um, which I want to give a big shout out to, um, the pipe rack in Akron. I don't know if anybody's ever seen them or heard of them, but, um, and during my first tour, my mom sent out letters to local businesses to try to get donations, stuff like that. Well, the pipe. She sent one to the pipe rack, and the pipe rack's like, shit. We'll we'll give you, and they ended up giving her like five to eight hundred cigars. Good for them. Shout five, out to the pipe rack. Five to eight hundred cigars. I I forget how many were there were because like I I couldn't count them. Tyler, if you're yeah. listening to this, we're going to the pipe rack soon. Yeah. So um, they sent they sent cigars. So like I I'll never so cigars to me. Um, we always would smoke cigars after like a really big patrol or like if we were out for a couple of days or something like that. So way to kind of come back, mm -hmm. unwind,
0: you know, celebrate, kind of making it, you know, like we're still here. Yeah.
1: So, uh, if you ever go to the pipe rack, um, in there, when one of their rooms there, I got them, um, a flag that was flown in Iraq and there's like an actual like newspaper article there too. So, um, to, you know, to this day, I still, like, cigars are, like, cherished by me. I don't smoke very many. Like, I might smoke one a month, once every other month. Like, it's not very often. Um, but it's, anyways. So, again, they're my second tour. My mom would just keep sending me cigars. And you have to, like, double or triple bag them to keep because it was so, like, dry out there. And you'd have to keep them, you know. So, you'd sm- smoke cigars with all these guys and you got to talk to them from all over the country um you know from every single walk of life you know um good old country boys um you know city boys and all that kind of stuff it was great it was great um and uh so then after we left we got home and about three or four weeks after we got home we heard word that a week or two prior there was a suicide vest i walked through that through that door and um blew up and uh it didn't didn't luckily pray you know luckily didn't kill anybody um but a lot of the guys what happened was there was there's bulletproof glass there and the bulletproof glass actually protected them from the shrapnel but it actually the weight of it broke through and like ended up like hitting them so a lot of the guys had to get you know facial reconstruction our interpreter lost an eye Oof. And all that kind of stuff. And uh, I saw I saw one of the, the guys that stood post there. He recognized me. Um, I I couldn't recognize him just because he had facial reconstruction. Um, and uh, it was about a week or two before I actually got out of the Marine Corps that him and I sat down and chatted. So, um, you know, we, we told them all about everything that might be coming through and stuff like that. And I think it's be- he's told me it's because of everything that we taught them that they made it because the guy didn't make it all the way to them. Yes, and that's
0: that's the great thing about having that turnover time where you can teach them as you've been in country, you know what's going on, you know what to look for. Yeah. no, because, like, again, like, if you just get dumped on that station, like, oh, figure it out, like, uh, thanks, higher-ups, you know, since you're not here risking your lives, I appreciate that. But if someone's been here for seven, eight months or whatever it's been, they can teach me a lot about the local culture really quickly. Oh, yeah. Who are the regulars? Who aren't? Who do you see normally? Like, there's lots of different things you can think about.
1: Yeah. So, um I mean it was it was it was a really like crazy and interesting experience and uh you know I uh I wouldn't trade it for the world, but but you know, some of the best of times, some of the worst of times. Well that's so that
0: usually how those kind of things go. It's like usually you have to kind of have the bad times to appreciate the good times. Yeah. You know? So it's like I know a lot of people look fondly back on their military service, like and they remember the good points and they kind of forget about all the shitty things they went through. But obviously later that just becomes like uh just a part of your uh, your history it's, it's, yeah. it's part of like what shaped you it's like when i look back at football like i don't think of like the really shitty practices where i got my ass beat all the time and i came home with bruises all up and down my ribs and my arms and all that kind of stuff i don't think about those times i think about the fun times with the guys and hanging out and playing yeah. games and the big catches or whatever like th- those those are the things you remember yeah you know like but the other part of it just kind of shapes everything else so i yeah. completely understand what you mean
1: yeah um well, like, obviously
0: well not to that extent but yeah. i know i know what you're saying
1: yeah yeah um and it's just like i don't know the more we talk about it, the more others like stories and stuff like that that i that I keep like thinking out and, and that's, that's usually like, what happens is yeah. like
0: once you kind of start thinking about those things it brings up other things and you're obviously welcome to share anything you want to yeah. this is an open platform or if it's too much like i get that oh, too like
1: yeah you know what's funny enough is when i was younger um and this was like well before like, i didn't even have my driver's license and stuff like that um I remember we were sitting at Swenson's, and uh, we were cool kids, and we went to- um... For people
0: who don't know, that's a big kind of chain up here in Northeast Ohio. Uh, It's like a drive-in kind of burger joint where you go, and they bring it out to your car, and you sit in your car, and they have like really good burgers and fries and milkshakes and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of people kind of think about that when they come home because it's kind of what they grew up with, like the old car hoppy kind of stuff, even though we've gotten out of that, but they still do it, which is kind of cool.
1: People will like not be home for months and they will stop at Swenson's before they go see their family.
0: One of my closest friends, uh, lives down in Atlanta and the first thing he does when he gets home is he goes to Swenson's. That's the first stop that he makes. Yeah. He didn't even go home first, like see his, his family. Like I'm fucking going to Swenson's.
1: My little brother came home back in, um, when was it? Oh gosh. September, August or anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, and, uh he's like he's like, Can you can can we stop and get Swenson's? I was like, sure. And so I got him Swensons before I go in to go pick him up so we can eat it on the way home. And it was great. Um but anyway, so I didn't have my driver's license at the time, but we were within walking distance of Swenson's. So I decided to go sit there at Swenson's and get and order some food. And for some odd reason I have no idea but we started sparking up a conversation with a um with a uh Vietnam vet. And I remember him talking about PTSD I remember him talking about some of his experiences and all this kind of stuff, and uh, I, like for for whatever reason, like I wasn't even sure at this time that I was going into the military, but I remember the conversation I had with him. He goes, "If you keep everything bottled up, he goes, it's gonna it's gonna like like make you go crazy." Yes, 100%. so hundred percent. I'm very open with talking about my experiences with the with the Marine Corps. Um, if anything, I feel like some people get like uncomfortable with well, how much I share. Sometimes you, you have
0: to remember. Most people aren't equipped to handle the trauma that you've seen in your life. Yeah. It's like I know, like specifically, like, I've looked a lot into like uh, um, psychology and therapy and all that kind of stuff. It's fascinating to me understanding the people and how they think and what's going on. And to me, it's, it's just a normal part of my life. I'm curious. It's interesting to me. I, I look into that. But there's lots of times you you actually hear of therapists like they have to go to therapy. To be able to talk about like the things that they hear from other people to be able to offload it from them because in their profession, it's not like they can go home and talk to their husband or wife or significant other whatever. It's like you can't do that because you can't talk about your clients. It's it's inappropriate. You don't want to do that. So it takes a very special person to be able to handle maybe the darkness that other people have either seen or gone through or the trauma that they've been through in their lives and it's like it's 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 rare to find someone like that. I always tell people it's like I I feel like I've trained my whole life to kind of be that person that somebody could come to and confide in and talk to and know that whatever you tell me you know like is not going to go like between like it's never going to be released to anybody else. It's always going to stay between you and I. You know, but there's also some things like this where it's really good to just share your own personal experiences to others to maybe help them be able to open up to someone else. Cause like yeah. I've got, I've got a, a family friend that we've known forever. Uh, I grew up next to, to like their family and he was in the military like way back in the day. I don't know if it was Vietnam, if it was Korea, it was one of those two. I don't know exactly what it was. And, and he's not talked about his experiences. He keeps all that stuff bottled up and you can tell, and it's like, dude, like, you need to get some of this stuff off your chest. Like, it's okay to talk about these things. Like yeah. It's actually important. It's like, it's actually really good to share these things with others because it helps relieve that stress and tension from you. And I think now with podcasts specifically, it's allowing people, especially uh, veterans or first responders, like, who see these horrific things. To be able to talk about them and share them and give perspective to other people, I think, which is great. I remember listening to a podcast uh, a few weeks ago that just, it kind of wrecked me a little bit. And it was this police officer talking about how he had to basically retire from his job because he couldn't deal with the mental stress anymore. He had this crazy call about like finding this child who was basically being prostituted, who was like five or something crazy like that. And it just wrecked him. I mean, it just completely ruined him. And I can understandably see that, especially with all the other fucking things that he's seen in Mm -hmm. his career. But this one kind of sent him over the edge. And, you know, and he was able to retire from that. But now he's out talking about it and he's able to kind of let some of that stress and everything go. And he talked about how his previous uh, employer So, whatever police officer uh, agency he was working for at the time, they sent a bunch of the people who were on that call out to this child's, like, birthday party, like, two or three years later. So, they got to see this child, and now in a happy home, being taken care of, running around playing like a normal child, like, all those kind of things, whereas he wasn't invited to go see that, and he feels like that was a failure of his... uh, management or whatever you want to call it i completely agree because he was just stuck in seeing like the things that he saw like like you know it was it was crazy we can talk about it off air if you want but uh it was just but it's interesting now because now he's talking about those kind of things and he's had so many now police officers firefighters emts uh, military guys reach out to him because he's out sharing his story about some of the things that they've seen you know so it gives them a place to kind of let some of those things go so don't ever feel like you're sharing too much, but yeah. obviously, because again, this is an open platform, but there are certain things that maybe, you know, don't need to be said on air as well, yeah. you know, so there's some of and, those as
1: well. And, um, like I, you know, in one of the, one of the things that I really want to point out, like, in, I feel like that there's so much like help for veterans with PTSD and and, you know, they're starting to become more and more helpful with for, like, first responders yes. like with PTSD. Yes.
0: It's becoming much more Acceptable. open to yeah. talk about because, as we know, like, our generation is much more open about things that have kind of happened yeah. to us. But the previous generation is like, I know my dad. Like, I try to get him to talk to me, and he just, like, shuts down. He doesn't want to open up. Yeah, and I don't know if it's because me because I'm his son or whatever, but it's like, dude, like. We need to talk about some of these things. Like, you need yeah. to start to work through some of these things. And the idea of him going to therapy, like, fuck off. Like, it's yeah. never going to happen.
1: So, like, somebody who's, like, another thing that I want to, like, bring up that I haven't seen as much support for. Or So, I used to work at Akron Children's Hospital um, for, like, six or seven years um, doing, you know, different things. I, I managed a couple of departments there. Um, and then I also worked, um, focused on, like, process improvement and okay. that kind of stuff. So I got to meet and talk to a lot of different nurses and um I just I wish that there was more I I I talked to a nurse that is actually close to me uh one time and uh she was on the oncology and hematology floor and um I'll never forget this like um so she was talking to me about this one patient and uh how this patient was like in there for like I don't know 6 months to a year Um, had, and everybody loved this patient, loved the family and just took care of this patient like nonstop. And, um, you know, and then, you know, for months and months, and then sadly, like one day, like the the patient passed away and, um, the kiddo was under 10 years old, I think. Um, and I remember her telling me that they had to take her to like the morgue and everything like that in the hospital and like, just listening to her be like. So we just, we just leave, we just leave her here. Like nobody's watching her anymore. Like, I don't know, like that just like, like reprogram my brain. Yeah. I'm like, I was like, yes. Like, I mean, I'm not trying to say like, like everybody has this type of trauma and everything like that. So like from hearing that it was like, I, I was like, I needed to f- figure out more. And then there was this one podcast for the life of me. I couldn't remember what it is, but this one, this one podcast I I listened to about PTSD because, um, I mean, I struggle with PTSD. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a daily, hourly, minute fight type of thing. So this one podcast that I listen to, and I really wish that I could figure it out. But anyways, so what they're talking about is they're like, life, Life, imagine life is like a filing cabinet, right? So you have, you have certain files, so like, you know, your kid does something cute, or your kid does something funny, or something, you have a file to put that in. Um, you know, you always have a file to put it in. But when you come across something that just, like, doesn't make sense to you, so, like, her leaving that patient up there, there's not a fucking file to put that into. Like, you can't, like, file that away. Yeah, so what that, file do
0: you put that in? So, I mean, that
1: like, – so, right there, that's trauma, right? So, that's trauma. That's how, That's what you have to work out. You have to figure out either, like, what file to put that into or something like that. And um, so, like, it, I tell people, like, you know, I, I – and some people call them demons. Some people call them like trauma, whatever you want to call them. So it's, I just, I say like your, your demons never totally go away. You just get better at fighting that. Yes,
0: exactly. It's like, you, you can't ever get rid of it. Yeah. But you can learn how to deal with it in a healthy manner.
1: Yeah. So um, again, so like another thing that I, um, so I, I've, I've been going to therapy and I went to therapy uh, when I first started uh, 2012, 2013, something like that. Anyways. So the therapist knew that I was in business school. And she knew that I was in statistics and all that kind of stuff. And she knew that I could never totally relax in like um like a uh, like a busy environment or something like that. Like I it was too hard much, me, too it, much stimulation. It, it was or... hard for me to go to like concerts and stuff. Because of the, um, the crowds of people you
0: can't watch yeah. everyone.
1: Yeah, just stuff like that. It was hard for me to like relax. And she looked at me one time and she gets this very serious look on her face. And she goes, Ryan, you're in statistics. You understand basic statistics, right? I was like, yeah, I understand basic statistics. And she goes, what is the statistical possibility that something bad's going to happen to you right now? And I was just like, that's probably pretty damn low. And she goes, exactly. So, like, you know, that shouldn't get rid of everything. But that's just another type of tool that you have that kind of can help you fight those demons that are kind of within you um to and, realize
0: okay like what's what's possible to what's plausible yeah right like is it possible that you're in this big crowd and some asshole could come in and start shooting things up and doing whatever yeah because that shit happens all the fucking time yeah right but is it probable that it's going to happen the moment that you're there enjoying the time with your friends or family or whoever yeah whatever it is that you're doing like is that you know probable And the answer is no it, it's really not so it's like how do you enjoy your time out and about and not worry about all the bad things that possibly could happen when it's most likely probable that it's not going to happen? Yeah. But it's also the fact that like you can't be naive to the fact that it still is a possibility. Yeah, And you need to have contingency plans for when those kind of things do happen. Because yeah. I can remember oh, years ago when I was going through like those kind of stages of my life you know, like where I was, like carrying everywhere I went, and mindful of everybody that I saw, and trying to watch people come in and out of the door everywhere that I was, and just being just aware and paranoid all the time. Like, dude, like calm the fuck down. Like, like you live in a small college town. Like, what's what's the chances of anything yeah. really bad going? I mean, things do happen around here, of course, like yeah. everywhere else. You know, but it's like, is it really all that likely? And the answer is no. I need to be able to calm down and kind of enjoy myself more.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, always keep that, always keep that, um, you know, that edge, but, you know, you can kind of relax just a little yes. bit. And um, I don't know, some people would agree with that. Some people wouldn't. Um, You know, a lot of people say that your experiences and stuff like kind of help it. So, like, how do I say that? I don't know some people think that having that sense of alertness is is a really big benefit. Um, it can I don't, be I don't disagree with it I don't can disagree be. with
0: because if, if you're oblivious to everything, yeah. you'll never notice something's wrong yeah. whereas if you're mindful of your surroundings, you might notice something bad's gonna happen before it happens. like how many times have you specifically been out maybe on patrol or you were driving and you just kind of felt something was wrong yeah like okay, wait, let's stop. Let's kind of figure this out. Something doesn't feel right. You hear that happen all the time. I can remember listening to uh, the Endless Endeavor podcast with Greg Anderson, and he was talking about, like, we knew every firefight we were going to get into, because there was a different vibe in the air. You could feel it, and everyone's like, all right, get your shit ready, because it's about to pop off And. you know, like nine times out of ten, they were right. Yeah. And it's like you can feel those kind of things. I remember listening to a podcast, this is funny, with uh, Thug Rose, Nama Eunice. Uh, they were on the Joe Hogan show with uh, Pat Berry, uh, her her husband and trainer. And they're and the Pat was talking about how they were in this club one time just partying and having a good time. And Rose was like, we got to get the fuck out of here. And they were like, all right. They fucking got up and left. And they're like... Like I literally like a half an hour later or something like literally just after they had left, like something happened. Something it was like a shooting or a big brawl happened or a fight or something like something big went down right where they yeah. were. And she could feel the vibe in the air. And they're like, "I get the fuck out of here." And they went, yeah. And like they avoided all that stuff. So I really believe that you can avoid things by just feeling
1: things are wrong. Yeah, we were um we were actually in country. We were in a place. So we we were on uh, QRF quick reaction force. And um, I forget. which,
0: which for those of you who don't know, that's basically like a, a backup for people who are out doing some sort of a mission or supply. So you you are like the backup. Like yeah. if shit goes sideways, they can call you, and you're already prepped, you're already staged, you're already ready. Yep. So you can be there in a fraction of the time of just like, oh fuck, we're in trouble, and they gotta mobilize get everybody together and send out that way. So like you're already kind of sitting and waiting, anticipating things going bad.
1: Exactly. Um. So we were out. We were i forget where exactly where we were we we're just south of fallujah and uh we get a call over the radio hey you know uh, a, a hummer hit um an IED. so we got we went out there and dude this hummer was just mangled and i'm like dude they're just going to be pulling body parts out of there like there's no way anybody survived um and i have no idea to this day but all four marines like they pulled them out like Alive, the fuck out of here! I have no idea. Like, blew my mind. You would like,
0: think the overpressure alone
1: yeah. would kill them. So I don't know what happened to them afterwards, but they took them all away on helicopters. So anyway, so we're sitting there and everything like that, and like the the vibe was fine. There's nothing like too crazy. Like we're we're kind of like like we're on alert, obviously. Of course. But, um, they load the they they load the Hummer up onto a flatbed, and then we take lead patrol and we go into this market area, and there's probably five, 600 Iraqis in this area. And with a matter of minute, not a single soul to be seen. And my staff's are I'll never remember, forget. It. He goes, comes over the radio. goes, guys be fucking ready. Yeah. It's be about ready. to pop
0: off because all the locals yeah. are taking cover. So
1: yeah, it's about to get real. And I remember him coming over the radio to like the rest of the patrol and like, like get through here right now. Like now, like we need to get out of here. And, um, we're just sitting there and, uh, one of my one of my sergeants comes over the radar he goes i think I'm taking sniper fire, man," and we're like dude come on like you're 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 jo- you're joking and he goes i don't know i'm pretty sh-. i was like wouldn't that be a
0: very distinctive yeah, thing to hear the round yeah. snap
1: by you so because um, people always like
0: it's funny like you see in movies people with like suppressors and stuff on their rifles that think that it quiets everything They're like you realize that round's still supersonic yeah. right? it's still gonna crack over your head
1: yeah and uh sure enough like he was taken he was he was he was being shot at by the sniper and we're like dude we gotta get out of here um and um, I don't remember exactly why we didn't stay to, like, engage. Um, that was above my pay grade. Um, well, because chances are, like, in the tactics
0: of, like, the ISIS, Taliban, yeah. fucktards, whatever you wanna, whatever you want to call them. doesn't matter, right? Uh, shitheads. Like, they would set up IEDs to cause the convoy to stop, and then they would set up an ambush out of that. So, normally, yeah. they're looking to disable the lead vehicles. They can't go anywhere. Yeah. And then just, you know, pop off an ambush from there.
1: Yeah, so I mean, like, sure enough, we didn't we didn't stay there very long. We had the patrol everything, kind of go through, and we we moved on. And um, did I mean he was like, you know, w- there was a sniper out there, so um, we're we're blessed that nobody got taken out by him or anything like that. Um, but yeah, you just like you get in that area, I mean, like, but that five hundred people, and then all of a sudden there's nobody a minute later, like yeah. But okay, again, it's, it's kind of like, but you, it's you also know, something not bad. being oblivious; it's yeah. being aware. Yeah.
0: And obviously, you're at a much higher statistic of something bad going on in a war zone. Yeah. But still, it's just – it's not you know, being paranoid of it happening. It's just let's be prepared and be aware. And if something does happen, we need to have some basic ideas of what to do because a lot of people who are naive will think that they're going to, you know, raise to this level and fight like John Rambo or do whatever, whatever stupid they've seen in movies. It's like, no, like – you're going to fall back to the basic level of your training. Yeah. whatever. You're just going to go into autopilot, and if you've trained well for it, you might be okay. You might not. You might just stick around. I mean, yeah. there's nothing you can do about that. Like, that's just fucking – it is what it is. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it, it might just happen. But for most people, again, you're not going to rise to some crazy occasion like you see, like, in the Band of Brothers movies or whatever. It's like you're going to fall back to your training, whatever that yeah.
1: is. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I just um – um. Yeah. And then uh, after, I don't know if we're going to continue down the, the, yeah, so the like after chronicle. Yes. You, like after
0: your second tour, you decided to get out?
1: Yeah. After my second tour, um, I decided to come back. Um, and it was October of 2008. And my uh, EAS was end of active service. So like, you sign a four year contract, four years active, four years yeah, in so active. So you had to decide whether you're
0: going to re up and yeah. go again or if you're just going to kind of call it and move
1: on. So when I was actually in Iraq, I actually applied to um for to to go to the university of akron they're open enrollment so it's not like you're going to get denied you know what i mean yeah but um trying to figure out how to get your your high school transcripts there when you're literally working off of a satellite phone and like you know a little email and literally in the middle of nowhere iraq was kind of interesting anyway so we i did it some help from my mom and my dad um we did it and uh i got obviously accepted open enrollment so um so when i got back from uh, iraq i instantly started to do some prep (sighs) classes for college courses and started taking college when i was still in the marine corps so like dude my days started at 5 a.m and they would go from 5 a.m um we would so one of my one of my old staff sergeants was like Cohen, if you come to me, with me to the gym every morning, he goes, you won't have to run with a platoon. I was like, dude, sold. Yes, I'm in. Sold. So little did I know that that meant 5 a.m. workouts. And then after like a month or two of that, I would, now the habit is there. So I would continue to go. Then I would still have to run with the platoon, but I was still stuck already on lifting. So I'd lift at 5 a.m., run with the platoon at 6.30, and then um, do the whole work day. And then I would have class from, um, I think, from, like, 5 until, like, 8 or 9 o'clock at night. Okay. And then sometimes I'd go right back to the gym. And then I'd get back and do homework. So, like, my days were from 5 a.m. until, like, midnight. And, um, like, doing college courses and all that kind of stuff. And some of the college courses were were really good, Uh, you know, at a a small community college. um, It was, like, insane. Like, one of our history teachers um actually rant was like he was an officer or something like that and he kind of managed all the logistics for a plane that shadowed uh, air force 1 so wherever air force 1 was they were like kind of close by mm-hmm. just in case something bad happened so yeah. he actually had the power to swear in the new president if he needed to at least this is what he told us i don't know if that's true or not but um so yeah so i got out of the marine corps in um august of 2009 and uh my girlfriend my wife now um actually flew down and helped pack up my final stuff and um we came home back up to akron and uh you know um so i started i got out of the marine corps beginning of august and I started college. Was there a reason
0: you decided to get out? You wanted to focus on school and a job or you just didn't want to go back to the war zone or –
1: No. Was there something going on in your head? No. I just – there was there was goals in my life I wanted to achieve that okay. I couldn't achieve in the Marine Corps. Um, I actually tried to extend my contract. Um, it, I would have extended my contract. So instead of re-upping for four years, they would extend it for like a year or two or something like that. Um, but I wanted to be able to deploy again. I didn't want to stay stateside because if you're a Marine and stuff like that, like you, I mean, you train and you want to be deployed. And, uh, I was told that they couldn't guarantee me to deploy again. So I didn't extend my contract, but turns out that the guys that I was with, um, deployed about a year later to Afghanistan, which, um, I really like kicked myself for not extending because I really wish I was there for them. Um, But um, so, yeah, so I got out August 2009 and uh, started college right away um, and met one of our mutual friends, Mike Walker, Okay, um, which he's another like one of the most influential people because he taught me the proper. He taught me a lot of proper ways to lift. He taught me nutrition and all this kind of stuff. Um, I was going to work out at the University of Akron's uh, uh, gym and he was working the desk and Saw that it was wearing a, an insert T-shirt. Um, he always says it was a hat anyways. I'm sure he'll listen to those podcasts and he'll call me up but like, dude, it was a hat that you're wearing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. And uh, him and I started chatting and find out that he was friends with my wife. And um, so we, you know, continued to chat. And six months after, um, I walked on to the University of Akron's football team. Uh, tried out and I think there was only like... Four or five of us that were invited to walk onto the team out of a couple hundred that tried out. And uh, Mike helped me out with nutrition, fitness, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, dude, I'll tell you something. The fitness that the football – like University of Akron is a D1 college, right? Yeah. And the fitness that they that, that we went through is just insane. My first experience was winter conditioning. And um, it, you're on – I think you're you're on the field at 5 a.m. and you like sprint for like an hour and a half straight. Pretty much, it was it was crazy. Um, so I was on the team for about a year and a half, and I left voluntarily from the gym from the team. Um, the reasoning is is because it was just taking up too much damn time. Yeah, I mean, I, if, I if you're
0: in a D1 football program. That's your job. Yeah, school is a byproduct. Like, it, like people are like, oh, well, these these college athletes get degrees and this and that. Like, well, most of them play football. Fucking don't. Yeah, because they take dummy classes so they could just play sports. Yeah, and most people do their tests for them so they can play sports. Like, yeah. it seems crazy to me that we're not paying these athletes. Like, I know people are like, oh, well, they shouldn't get paid. They're college athletes. I'm like, they're making the these schools billions of dollars, not even millions, billions of dollars. Yeah, pay the fucking
1: athletes. Yeah. Like, they're professional
0: um, athletes. What the fuck are we doing?
1: So, like, dude, like, is, it ended up being the same thing. So, I'd be at school at 6 a.m., and I wouldn't get home from school until about 10 o'clock at night. And, I mean, I would lift at 6 a.m., I'd go to classes till about 2, 2.30, and then I would literally have to sprint all the way to get changed for practice. I'd get changed for practice, I'd be at practice till about 6, 6.30. And then after, so I was a lineman, so you get hit in the head a whole bunch. Yeah. And then after that, I would go, have to go sit in quantitative business analysis, QBA, because I was in business school. I didn't do very well in that class because, like, I was just so rattled and just so tired from everything from the whole day. And, uh, you know. After that season, I stood. On, I, I stayed on for another winter conditioning, and then I waited for winter conditioning to be over, and then I left the team. I don't know why I did that. I should have left before because winter conditioning sucks. Um, but yeah, I left the team, and uh, I don't regret that decision. Just because, like, I, yes, I played football. I walked on the team. I wasn't that good. Like, I, you know, I, these guys had a lot more knowledge than I had. They had a lot more experience. I mean, I only played one, one or two years. In uh, in high school, so um, anyway, so I uh, I decided to rush through the rest of my undergrad. I got my undergrad in about three years from University of Akron. Started working at a bank, University, um, Huntington, um, and then uh, started working at Akron children's Got my MBA uh, from Walsh, which uh, Coach says he says a Harvard of the Midwest or something like <laughs> that, because that's where one that's where his degree's from. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, and then, uh, about two years ago, I was working at Akron Children's Hospital and, uh, realized that I needed a, a, a different change in my life. And, uh, my wife totally supported me and, uh, without really, Anything in mind, I left my job at Dr. Children's.
0: Now, what made you feel like you needed something different? I think a lot of people feel that way. Mm -hmm. And dare I say, most people don't act on it. Like, I was literally having a conversation with my boss the other day. And he's like, you know, where do you want to be in five years? What do you want to do? Where where do you want to go? I'm here to help you, this and that. I'm like, dude, like, I'm still trying to figure out what I do when I I grow up. Like, I... I'm, I'm just doing this job because I don't know what else to do like it's yeah. the only thing I know how to do that I can make the kind of money to live the lifestyle that I have like yeah, I don't have a sugar mama to take care of me. It's just me, you know. So it's like, well, I gotta pay the bills. I like, I kind of like living indoors and eating food. Yeah. So it's like, what the fuck else am I gonna do? I was like, yeah. I don't know. I was like, what do you want to do? Like, I like hanging out with friends and podcasting. I like watching movies. I like playing sports. I like doing different activities. I love coaching. I, I I love lots of these different things. But guess what? They don't fucking pay well. Yeah. You know. So it's like I come here because you pay me.
1: Yeah. Exactly. I, this, what we're, we're, this is what I'm here for. I don't know. So exactly.
0: It's, it's just funny. So, like, I think a lot of us feel that way. Yeah. But what made you decide that, okay, because I'm sure it was a good job. Yeah. You got your MBA. You're, you're successful. You've like been in the military. You've got great life experience. You know, it's like there's lots of good things going there. So, yeah. what would make you leave that, what a lot of people see as a very safe, secure job, to try something different?
1: Yeah. So, I was a, at that time I was an operations manager for four departments: pulmonary, allergy, immun- immunology, and then uh, sleep medicine. So, it was a really good job, um, and it was a, and it was very impactful, which is what I really liked. Um, one of the things that I found that was a problem was um, I. I realized that some of my mental state was coming into harm with being able to do my job properly. The post
0: max stress you've dealt with?
1: Yeah. 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 So my I was not in a good spot mentally. Um, and uh, I knew that that was affecting my work. And, um, you know, I was doing fine and everything like that. Um, but I knew that somebody else who might not be dealing with all this kind of stuff could come in and do a little bit better of a job um so i was thinking that's a
0: good way to look at it
1: yeah so uh, you know and i did have i did have a little bit of fallback um i do have disability through the va um so there is there was some fallback so like it wasn't just completely like no money coming in right away was it a
0: physical or a mental disability um uh, you want to talk about if no you no, want no. To.
1: it's fine um it's both so i do have uh, va disability for ptsd um and then a lot of other physical stuff so uh, knees back uh feet um, the normal infantry everything. kind of guy stuff yeah yeah, just yeah. so, so you
0: get, you're gonna get beat up like it's yeah. a tough job you're doing.
1: yeah so um, I decided to leave and um, it was it was extremely hard because um, you know I said I was, I was there for I don't know, five six seven years. Um, my, my wife has been at children's for now 12 years. My sister-in-law was working there at the time. my mother-in-law just retired from there 43 years 43 or 44 years uh, this past November um and then i mean hell even my dog worked there she was part of the doggy brigade so Uh, i used to bring her in there to to visit some of the sick kiddos
0: that's great um
1: so like it was really hard to leave that that place because it really is a good organization and uh i loved everybody that i worked with yes but but
0: also like again you would realize that maybe this isn't the best fit for me yeah and maybe somebody else could come in and do a better job and that's a great like way to look at instead of being selfish about like well i don't want to leave a good job i'm gonna make a good paycheck this and that blah, blah blah like no like Maybe it would be better for the organization if someone else were to come in. That's that's a yeah. wonderful thing that I think you should be praised for because most people wouldn't think about it that way.
1: Um, so, so then for the next six months, I did a lot of transition and stuff. I tried to do some, like, self-help stuff, like, really try to get my mind right and everything like that, which I really did. Um, did some renovations on my house. Um, and I – Went to work for my dad's company, which is a business consultant turnaround management. So, if a company's doing financial troubles or if they're in financial troubles, he helps kind of turn them around. So, taking a look at like operations. So, like that's kind of like where what I was doing. So, it's like my bread and butter. So, I worked for him, um, on and off with some projects here and there. Um, his projects paid a lot better than my salary at a Children's. So, like didn't have to work a full time to kind of replace that the the salary and everything. Um, so it was, uh, September of 2021 and I'm like, I said, you know what? I, I need something else. I need something else. I need something to kind of get me into this, um, you know, like a camaraderie of like a, a kind of stuff like that. And, uh, I started looking into jujitsu and, uh, because I've, I've read a lot of good things about the, the mental health, the, the mental, um, fortitude and all that kind of stuff. And then also the physical, aspects behind it um, where have you where did you hear about it uh that made you want to give it a try so it was actually when i was in um camp pendleton one of the guys that that i was going through mos school military occupational specialty school um trained jujitsu and because um, you'd
0: heard about it back in the military yeah okay
1: and uh i remember he got me into for those he got me into an arm bar and then he also got me into uh, it was a triangle choke um the two
0: of the basic moves that you yeah, learn is
1: as a I new think i think it was a triangle um anyways he got me into some sort of choke back then i was like you know one day i'm gonna learn this and uh you know it was september of 2021 when i was just like you know what I'm, it's time i'm gonna start to learn this and um i reached out to a couple of gyms in the area and i found uh true arts and um you know messaged shannon back and forth a little bit and it seemed pretty simple to just come in for your first day and uh, i was just like okay here we go we're gonna try this out and see how it goes and um i i was in the gym for about five seconds and i realized that this is the place for me really because i walked in and uh shannon like was just i don't know it, it just felt like did you walk into, like, a fundamentals class? Was it a regular
0: class? It was a or? noon class. It was a noon class. Okay. Yeah. So, it was, like, a regular so, class. So it was a smaller class.
1: Yes. It was It was just, like, the... You remember how we were talking about how, like, you can read a situation. Yeah. And, like, how to... How you know when to be, like, on alert and stuff like that? Well, it's the same thing. Like, if you walk into a place and you're like, oh, this is, like, this is home. Yeah, like, you're feeling the vibe. Yeah. I yeah. was feeling the vibe. And uh, I'll never forget um, the first day... Uh, they were making fun of, I don't want to say his name, but they'll know. They were making fun of one of the cops who got body slammed by by somebody who was trying to arrest.
0: Yeah, we we all know that guy. We like to make fun of him because, well, he talks a bunch of shit, so he deserves it.
1: <laughs> and um and uh, I was just like you know, this is a place. This is a place because it's it's raw. It's it's truth. Like you can tell everybody really enjoys being there. And um, my first day, I remember. Starting to train and wearing a gear that was way too small for me. Um, because back then I was like two eighty five, two ninety. And uh and I remember the first role, the first open role that I had was with Shannon. And then Shannon had me go with Neptune. And uh Neptune threw me halfway across the fucking mat. And some people's mind would probably go to, "This sucks! I'm never going to come back here." And my mind went to, "Like, well, that sucks. I don't want that to ever happen to me again. Yeah. How do I get this? Yeah. To Maybe not I happen? should learn
0: how to do this so that somebody can't do that." To yeah.
1: Me. So it was a good, it was a good solid takedown by him, and uh, it taught me a lot. And for the next like couple of months, I always, I always enjoy, I always hate, but enjoyed rolling with him because he was, um, I mean, he's he's a hard roller. he knows, but he's, he knows
0: one speed and yeah. that's full fucking speed yeah and he's got i don't know how many years of grappling experience he's yeah. been on the show before we've we've talked about him um obviously but it's like yeah he may be like now he's a blue belt but at the time he was a white belt because he yeah. just got promoted recently and it was like but he's not really a white belt because again yeah. he's been grappling for fucking 10 plus years yeah. and you've been grappling for uh, what weeks or months yeah. or whatever it is so it's like it's not fucking fair like it's, yeah. there's a big difference yeah he doesn't know how to do some of the submissions or controls or whatever but good luck fucking getting up when he's on top of you yeah good fucking luck
1: yeah so i you know i've talked to him a couple of times about it too so it's not like anything so it was just man it was it was like it was a really interesting experience having that happen and uh you know it's a year and a half in and uh i bet you he'd still throw me halfway across the 100 percent. but i would know how to kind of get back up a little bit quicker yes. now um so it's just, uh, I mean, jujitsu has been like, like it's the tr- it was a transitional thing that I really needed in my life. Um, as I said, like I've been dealing with PTSD and stuff like that, and um, it really kind of helps focus you. It Really kind of helps figure out where you're. Like,
0: I always tell people, a lot of jujitsu is like therapy. Yeah, right. It's it's like uh, like like therapy and it's like meditation because when you're doing it you can't think about anything else like nothing else matters at that moment like when there's a 240 pound man like Neptune who's sitting on your chest and you can't get him off of you because he's got however many years of wrestling experience he knows how to hold his base like you don't care about your mortgage you don't care about the fight you had with your wife you don't care about the problems you had with your bills or at work or anything else like nothing fucking matters in that moment of like I'm trying not to die right now because if this were a real life situation, this person could fucking kill me. Yeah. Like we're, we're there to simulate murder. Like we're going to take people's joints to the, just the end of exploding their arm or knee or whatever. And then we're going to respect that when they say tap and quit and stop applying that pressure. We're not going to hurt our training partners, but in the real world, you could fucking take their limb from them. Yeah. You know so it's this it's this crazy thing where your brain doesn't realize oh hey this isn't really fighting it's like fuck you you're trying to kill me like holy shit so yeah. everything gets funneled into that and nothing else matters in the world at that point so it, it really is to me, like therapy and meditation.
1: Yeah, it's like the best mindfulness training. And uh, I used to tell my wife, I was like, I'm going to go to therapy. She's like, you're going to get your ass kicked. I was like, well, it's the same thing. Yeah, one for now, day?
0: but soon I'll be dishing out the yeah. ass
1: <laughs> Yeah, you'll see. You'll yeah. see. I'll oh, trust me. Um, and uh, yeah, it just, it's, it's been like an amazing experience meeting all these, these awesome people that, that you get to train well, with. Well, the, the, the great thing with. about jujitsu
0: is it weeds <clears> out the assholes. Yeah. If you're an asshole, you won't last long in a good gym. They'll yeah. work, you'll work yourself out. They won't even make you leave. You'll just leave on your own.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I, I just – I love the, um, the the, camaraderie, the uh, – just, like, the, the vibe of the gym is just insane. It's just really good. Um, yeah, and
0: granted, like, our gym, True Art Jiu-Jitsu in Fairland, Ohio, it may not be the right fit for everyone. Yeah. You know, because if you're not a, you know, competitive-driven person, like, Shannon might turn you off a little bit because he gets a little aggressive. And he'll yell at you if you do something stupid. you know? And it's like some people don't like that. They want to go to more of like a, a laid-back gym where they can just go in and get a sweat and get moving. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's like you got to find the right vibe for you. And like you said, you knew in five seconds that it was for you. Yeah. Because I don't know if you know my story. Like I started at a different gym when I was still lifting. So it was like I was talking to my teammate, uh, Timmy Stinton, who had fought MMA, who had trained jiu-jitsu at East Coast Martial Arts in Canton. And I was training in Canton at the time at Rubber City Weightlifting. And I said, hey, like, I want to get into this. It's something I've always been interested in since watching UFC, like, way back in the day, like, in college and out of college and all that kind of stuff. And, like, Jujitsu jitsu is a beautiful thing. Like, I want to go learn. It's like, is it really worth it to go once, maybe twice a week? Because, again, I'm focused on lifting right now. It's the end of my career. I've got to push. And he's like, yeah, dude, like, mat time is going to be any – like, it's going to be better than nothing. Like, Go. So I went and I was training one day a week, maybe two times a week if I could get there for the Sunday open mat in the afternoon. And uh, it's like I was doing that kind of stuff, but I was still lifting and training at that time. And I kind of realized like a few months into it is like, you know what, like I'm not giving this the time that it really needs. This isn't convenient to my schedule right now. So I'm going to kind of just walk away at the moment. I'll get back into it later. So when my lifting career kind of took a shit and I was like kind of done lifting and I realized, okay, well. It is what it is. I'm at the end of my career because of injuries, and I got to move on. I was like, I wanted to get back into jujitsu. I remember listening to a uh, a podcast or a video. I don't remember exactly which one. It might have just been like a YouTube video with um, uh, Tim Kennedy, mm-hmm. and he was like, "You can't train like a bitch and expect to, to go out there like like a stud." And I'm like, "Fuck!" Like, okay, I got to stop being a bitch. I got to get back into jujitsu. And there was a kid at work. Who had gotten into jiu jitsu recently. So he was talking about it and I was excited for him. So we would talk about it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get back into it. And at the time, uh, True Art was closer to work of where I was than it was going all the way to Canton. It was like literally like halfway there because I was uh, working up near Cleveland. So it was like it was easier to get to Fairlawn than it was to go all the way to Canton. Yeah. So I was like, oh, you know what? I talked to my old coach, uh, Chad, and I said, hey, I'm going to go check out this gym. And he kind of tried to talk me away from it. He's like, those guys are super intense. They go really hard. I'm like, I get it. When I talked to Shannon, seemed like a super cool dude. He spent a good 45 minutes on the phone with me one day kind of talking to him, because I sent him a question of like, hey, what's the vibe of the gym? What kind of people do you have there? Like I was asking very intelligent questions of knowing what I was looking for. And he's like, dude, just fucking come check out a class. So I went and I watched a uh, beginner class because I wanted to see the beginner class. Yeah. Because that's what I was going to go to because I'm a beginner. You know, I was only in jujitsu for like, what, six, eight months or whatever it was, one day a week. Like, you don't learn much doing yeah. fucking one no. day a week. It's kind of a waste of your time. Yeah. I didn't realize at the time, but I, I realize that now. Because you need to just fucking commit. But we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. Uh But so I started, I went to the gym to meet Shannon, watched the class, didn't even take a gig. Because I'm like, I, no, you're not going to pull me out on the mat. Like, I want to watch. I want to see what the, the culture is like. I want to see people. I want to see everything. And I remember watching that class and i was like okay there's a good mix of everybody it's not just 20 year olds who are trying to be fighters and ripping everybody's fucking arms off and anybody else who comes in who's not at their level they're gonna leave like no it was a good mix of everyone yeah it's like it's just like anywhere else okay coach is a little intense i get it i can see how that would turn some people off but i'm really competitive i like sports so i get it to me it's like that's normal like this, this is great i love it but I can specifically remember there was a girl there. It was her very first day. It might have been her second day. She was fucking brand new. And they were doing a very complicated guard. And she wasn't getting it, wasn't getting it, wasn't getting it. And then the end of class was there. And then open mat started. So a bunch of people started to roll. A bunch of people left. But there was a bunch of upper belts coming in as well. So there was a good mix of, like, you know, people still on the mat, people leaving, people coming on. There's a bunch of people out there. And he took this girl and the two girls that she was kind of training with over in the corner, Coat did. And he worked with her, the new girl, specifically until she got it. He's like, all right, fucking do it again. And she did it again. Fucking do it again. And she did it again. And he got so excited that he stood up and he slammed his black belt on the mat. Like, fuck yeah. It was like running around the gym. And I'm like, okay, I could see how this would turn some people off. Yeah. But I fucking
1: love it. Yeah. So
0: I've just fucking been there ever since. Yeah. You know, like I came back like the next week and I was like, all right, let's do class. Let's go
1: that's awesome and
0: then i think i made it like halfway through the warm-ups before i almost threw up and uh, <laughs> yeah it's been a struggle ever since yeah
1: yeah it's 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 something special man it's um and i'm really glad to see that the gym is growing yes with the new mat space and, and exciting everything. to see um and all the common areas i mean it's just it's going to be such a great like uh, yeah it looks like
0: a professional academy now like the yeah. coach was saying it's not just a gym yeah where we had mats down and no other space now it. You walk in and it looks professional. Yeah. It looks, I mean, he did the best he could with the space that he had. Yeah. But now, you know, it actually looks like a real academy.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. And my, what I like is that he he holds everything to, to to like the higher standards and wants it perfect. And um, and if it's not, he'll let you know. Yeah, which is good. And again, like I can see how not, that's not might yeah, not be everybody's some people, cup of tea. It's
0: yeah, they may not want that, and that's fine. But yeah. there's there's another place that's going to be best suited for you. Yeah. You just got to go find that place.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. It's and then you know as I was like what two three months into it and I realized all the health and like mental and physical benefits that I was getting out of it. So, since I was only just working part time, I um I decided I was like, hey, I need I need to find something else a little bit that I can help other other people with this, and uh, I found um another organization called We defy which is what we kind of started to talk about. I don't know if you want to get into that now. Yeah, absolutely. This is a
0: great place to talk about Um, it. Like
1: what, how'd you hear about it? What led you into it? So honestly, I just, uh, I wanted to find other veterans who were doing jujitsu and see, because like I, you know, I heard on a couple of podcasts um, about it, uh, like how um, uh, some people were, were, you know, getting benefits and and all that kind of stuff from it. So I wanted to kind of find another, like, uh, I was even just trying to find like a Facebook group with other veterans or, or just, yeah, people just doing somebody jiu-jitsu. to relate to, you can yeah. talk
0: to about a shared experience.
1: Yeah. Because like, I mean, I know like in the gym and everything like that, there's, there's tons of other veterans, there's tons of, of cops and stuff. And I love seeing that there's, there's cops and veterans and um, everybody in between um, in, in that, uh, in that, that space. Um, so I started to look it up and uh, I found this organization called We Defy and um We Defy is a veterans organization focused on providing Brazilian jiu-jitsu to combat disabled veterans. And um, what they do is they provide a a year scholarship and two gis, um, or also they they provide a package with, like, no gi as well, Uh, which if a gi is obviously what what would you – it's just like the – It's the
0: kimono top and pants that you wear in a traditional martial arts setting – uh, but there's also no gi jiu-jitsu that's been popularized because of MMA, hmm. which most people then just wear either shorts or spats uh, on their legs and like a like a, a rash guard or like a, a skin tight like under armor type shirt yeah. on, on top.
1: We're we're I think I think Coach wants to make singlets more popular for no gi. I, I get
0: it because he wrestled, but I think <laughs> that if they made uh board shorts and rash guards more popular for um, wrestling, more kids would go out for
1: it. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Um so yeah, so I, I found the organization and um, found out that they're a national organization with like hundreds of gyms and hundreds of, of well, cause athletes. Well, because they've
0: got they've got over five hundred affiliate gyms in forty five states for the We Defy yeah. Foundation, and they've got over six hundred athlete scholarships. You know, so it's 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 a big deal. That yeah. that's a lot to offer. You know, a new practitioner into something jiu jujitsu that could be like physically, mentally, like a you know benefit to their lives.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so um, you know, I, I started getting in touch with them and signed up as an ambassador with them, which is essentially just somebody who goes around and just talks about yeah, just gets the word out. Yeah, just gets the word about about the organization. If you can, you know, run some type of programs and stuff like that, that's that's great and uh just get the word out, talk about it. And uh that's what I did for a couple of months and Uh, i realized i was like hey you know i want to get a little bit more involved i know that i have some background with operations i know i have background with talking to people and stuff like that so uh, i reached out and uh sure enough i ask and you shall receive so uh we defy is like pretty much i think i think it's all voluntary there might be like a from from
0: what I saw, eighty percent of all their donations mm-hmm. go to the foundation. So only twenty percent of that is for overhead, salaries, you know, whatever else is needed to run the actual organization. Yeah, storage for you know um, merchandise and all that kind of. You know, yeah. Obviously, there are business expenses. Right. But eighty percent of all the donations go out specifically, you know, to to get these you know, uh, veterans involved
1: in jujitsu. Yeah. And, um, so it's, so I, you know, I, I, I jumped on and, uh, I first originally jumped on as a mentor. So essentially apologize for my phone. I don't know why I didn't put it on. Oh,
0: these darn kids. They didn't put their phones on silent. Oh my goodness.
1: I know. It's the first podcast I've ever done. So I'll remember for next time. Um, but, uh. So I joined out as a mentor. So a mentor essentially is somebody who will touch base with new athletes that are coming on to learn jujitsu and uh, join the program. Yeah,
0: to help guide them on their journey, yeah. which is important. You yeah. need people to be able to talk to.
1: Yeah, and um, because, like, you know, sometimes you're, you'd you be embarrassed to ask about a question or if you're going through, like, most of the, the veterans that – a lot of the veterans that we have, like, uh, there's a certain percentage that you have to be – um you know va dis- disabled to to be able to qualify for the program um i don't know exactly what it is off the top of my head so i'm not going to actually say it
0: right i think now. it was like 60 or 80 percent like it's it's yeah. a decent amount yeah
1: so um so kind of touching base with all those those guys and everything so we have a uh
0: yes so so here it is so you must be a disabled combat veteran mental or physical with an 80 percent or higher disability rating
1: yeah so um so I joined on to the, the, to the mentorship team and had a couple of mentor or a couple athletes with me that were on the program. And then I kind of wanted to do a little bit more. So they kind of put me in charge of um, it's, it's the engagement manager. So essentially my job was to, um, and this is all voluntary by the way. So it was a, to take the athletes and assign them to mentors and then figure out like, if there's any sort of things that need to kind of happen through there. Um, and then, so that was throughout the entire nation. Now I had tons and tons of other support um, and everything like that. And well, it just became a little bit too much. So then they brought on two, uh, three, or four other um, uh, engagement managers, coordinators, um, alongside. So um, it's it's just such an amazing organization. And when when I jump on these uh, monthly calls that they have, like all the passion that is behind all the the, the people that work for there um with the organization is just absolutely insane um and i know that they usually do a big big like national fundraisers around memorial day veterans day and then they also have a big gala once a year so um yeah i mean just uh, what else (sighs) do you want to know, about it? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could talk you can talk you could talk all day about about we defy and and how it's benefited people and like I get some like testimonies back from veterans and uh they're they're just like they're like i didn't know that jujitsu was gonna be like this it's 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 adding back in like a lot of the camaraderie that they've been missing yeah um I say that in like third person like i I'm a veteran too, and I was missing that. Um, like I, that's why I'm so comfortable joining in because like I was hand, I was dealing with a lot of this stuff. I was dealing with not having the camaraderie. Well, it's it's
0: a, again, it's a unique kind of bond that you have with somebody that you risk your life with in the military. Yeah. Right. So it's a unique bond that nothing really is going to ever replace that. Yeah. But jujitsu can get very close to that, I think, because again, it's a, it's a very different kind of bond. That your brain doesn't realize that it is simulation. You're not really trying to kill each other, and when you're going through it, your brain is like, "I could literally die while I'm doing this." So it's a very tight bond that you have with your training partners to be able to do that to the extent that you can. You can literally go all the way up to the edge of choking someone unconscious and literally killing them by by not letting go or exploding their arm or knee or whatever. So it's like it's it's a very close knit kind of group that it builds. To be able to simulate that kind of you know physical, you know, um, stre- I want to say like strenuation. I don't know what's what's the word I'm looking for yeah. here. Like, I, like the, the um, damn it, <laughs> 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 oh, the word escapes me at the moment. But the, the the kind of like craziness that you can literally do like in class because you can you can go right up to the edge, yeah, and then stop.
2: Yeah. But
0: again, your brain doesn't realize it at the moment, so yeah. it's it's a very deep bond you have with the people and it's like i always tell people like when i'm going to do jujitsu like what do you do like i roll around on the ground with sweaty men in their pajamas yeah this this is what i always tell people because they don't understand yeah what it is you know it's so funny because like you'll see most people they're afraid to touch someone or hug someone or get too close to them because it makes them feel uncomfortable and it's like I have, like, people sitting on my chest. So, like, I might yeah. have someone, like, like literally, like, smashing their ass on my face trying to, like, pull my arm out to, like, rip it behind my back. Yeah. You know, it's like we get very intimately close with each other. Yeah. You know, it is. I can remember, like, one of my buddies who was just a dumbass. Like, oh, what happens when you roll with a girl? Like, like it's not a sexual thing. I I, yeah. I I don't know how to explain it. You'd have to experience it to realize it's like... It's not a sexual thing like you're very very intimately close with someone like that but it's like you're not going to worry about like like popping a woody like it, yeah. it's not going to happen like it's it's a totally different kind of feel and vibe and everything yeah. else so it's just like it's it's not like I know some women are afraid of that because like uh, most gyms are full of dudes yeah you know, like, we, we got a couple of great, like, women at our gym. But it's like, they're a very small percentage of the population there. And that's just a lot of just what is combat sports. Yeah. Like, that's just, that kind of is what it is. But it's yeah. like, again, like, it's not a sexual thing. It's not a problem. And if it was, we'll fucking deal with it right now. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't care if you, you know, smash, you know, Jim Bob, Billy, George's nose and it's all bloody. Like, yeah, you know, suck it up. Like, get back in there. But, like, if you do that to one of our girls – like you're gonna get your ass beat before you leave the fucking gym and you yeah. don't ever fucking come back yeah. you know it's like I mean granted accidents happen we, we've all been yeah. there but we can tell when it's not an accident when you're going too, too hard maybe because you just got your ass beat by a white belt maybe you're a blue belt or a purple belt and then you're gonna go hard with one of our girls oh fuck off like yeah. that's not gonna go well for you yeah yeah so it's 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 a different kind of thing but again it, it's that it's that intimate bond that is very similar it's, you can't replace. Yeah, The military kind of stuff, because again, risking your life with someone is a totally different thing, but it can be something like, like you had mentioned, I really think it can be very beneficial because it, it gets close to it. It's probably yeah. about as close as you can get to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's something about, you know, uh, going through some like shitty times. Like, it's, not just, it's not a shitty time, but you know, like well, you, your you, mind, we your to, mind. You have to remember
0: that. trauma is trauma. Yeah. Like, like, are there people out there with worse trauma than you? Absolutely. Are there other things that, like, I, I can remember going to therapy years ago from a bad breakup. Because, like, I just, I was not handling it well. Like, I did not, I, I was, I was not prepared for the, for the end. I did not, I I had self delusion myself. I, I didn't want to face the real truth. And when it finally all hit, I was not handling it well. And I felt like such a fucking idiot. Like, sitting with my therapist bawling, I can't even talk. You know, and it's like, people have actually dealt with real trauma. What? Well, wow. Like... I split up with a girl that I thought was like the one, and all the bullshit that fucking society's you know sells to you, and all that crap. I didn't realize it was all bullshit then. I thought she was the one. Oh my god! And and I'm like, people have like real fucking problems, and here I am dealing with this. But my therapist was like, no, like trauma is trauma, and like this and like this sucks, and it's and you'll get through it. Yeah. You know, and she, she said one of the the best things to me. She's like, it's gonna suck until it doesn't. Yeah, You know, like, this is just going to hurt for a while, and that's okay. It's going to take time to deal with it. But it's like, in my mind, I'm like, why are you being such a bitch? Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, people actually have real problems in their lives, and you're bitching and moaning about this? And some chick left you? Like, what the fuck are you doing, you fucking little bitch? (laughs) But I'm like, those are like the struggles that my mind is. But again, but trauma is trauma, and you still have to deal with it, and you've got to process it. Like, and yeah, I've got this cushy fucking lifestyle, like – I had two parents who loved me when I was growing up, and I wasn't abused, and there was no issues, and there was always food on the table and extra money for sports and activities and and everything else. You know, like, I was ever one of the cool kids with all the the fancy clothes. Like, we got whatever clothes would fucking fit. Yeah. Because my brother and I were fucking big kids, you (laughs) know? It's like, we fucking grew out of them so damn fast, like, it was no point to buy designer this and that, whatever. So, I was never, like, one of the cool kids, but I didn't fucking care now. Certainly don't give a shit now. I I, I thought I cared then, but realize now it was it's irrelevant. It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. But it's like I've got no like real childhood trauma to so to speak of. It's like oh, it's like I grew up in an abnormal home of two parents who loved each other and a stay-at-home mom and a, and a dad who worked you know sixty to eighty hours a week to fucking put food on the table. Yeah. It's like that's not fucking trauma. Like I had yeah. a great fucking life. Yeah. I always tell people like I should be in therapy. Like I an abnormal childhood. You know, my dad gets so mad about that, but it's like, but, but still the trauma that I faced in my life is still trauma for me. Yeah. It's not even close to other people's trauma. And I get that, but it's still something you have to deal with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I totally agree. It's just, it's, it's all like, you know, two people can totally experience a situation differently. And, um, you know, I remember uh, when we got back from, was there second, first or second? Anyways, it doesn't matter. One of the deployments, uh, one of the guys was going to get therapy. And uh, I remember people were like looking down on that. Fuck is, the, I was like, what the somebody fuck? Somebody wants with to you? go help
0: themselves and get better yeah. and we're going to poo poo it. What the fuck are we doing, people? I know. I know. It drives I, me nuts.
1: I know. And I, um, you know, I, I, I tried my best to, uh, you know, I never. It's just like, dude. Like, who who cares? Like, yeah. you know, everybody. You got to take care of you. Everybody experiences these people who are
0: giving you shit don't fucking care about you. Yeah. They want you to fail. Yeah. So fuck them.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it wasn't like an over the, over abundance, but like you know, there was still so because um, it was essentially showing like a sign of weakness, if you will, and in the Marine Corps obviously showing a sign of weakness isn't beneficial. Bullshit. I call that so, as showing a
0: sign of strength I and mean, realizing
1: that you're not in a good space and yeah. you need help. Yeah,
0: that's a good thing.
1: So, um, obviously nowadays it's a lot more, it's um, much more ex- acceptable, acceptable, which is acceptable, good. Yeah. Which is good. So this was 2000 and, um, 2006, 2007 could have been 2008. I don't know. One of the deployments. So, um, but yeah, you know, now it's a lot more acceptable and, you know, there's, there's a lot more programs and stuff like that out there to, to help people so they have access to, um, you know, mental health and all that kind of stuff so uh i i think it's i think it's really good the, the way that um we're kind of normalizing going to therapy and and everything yes so um like i remember even at Akron conchristian's hospital the uh the mental health department was just like they couldn't hire enough therapists yeah and this was eight years ago nine years ago um they couldn't hire enough there enough enough therapists Um, and it's even something as crazy as, um, we, we had a a sleep therapist at Akron Children's Hospital too. Um, so, and, you know, I was blessed to be able to help run that program and get, get rid of any sort of roadblocks that she might've seen in her way to kind of make sure that she could see patients in the most convenient and beneficial way. And, um, it's just crazy to, to, to think about, um, like all the, all the nuances and stuff like that, that people might have. And, um, but Yeah. So I think, um, I think jujitsu helps out with so many different ways that, um, you know, you don't really, you don't really like comprehend and think about until like, even when you're in it, like, you don't comprehend and think about it. Like, you know, if somebody's if you're rolling with somebody, you're not like worried about like, you know, um, you're not worried about anything. You're not like worried about like, what am I gonna eat for dinner? You know, you're not worried about that kind of stuff. And it's, it's great. So for like an hour, hour and a half, of rolling like that's that's what you're thinking about and um like you you don't have your phone on you you don't have your smartwatch on you to tell you to remind you of certain things like it's it's put away and um it's it's out of sight out of mind and like that's you're you're there
0: and dare i say usually the best part of class is like the half an hour afterwards yeah everybody's sitting around the sides like bullshitting and laughing and joking and having a good time yeah. and just that camaraderie with with your teammates like that's that's usually the best
1: part of class yeah yeah i agree it's just it's it's a it's a great experience and um it's what does we just going say it's like jiu-jitsu is for everyone but everyone's not for jujitsu, or something like that
0: jiu-jitsu i think can be for everyone but not everyone's really cut out for it
1: yeah yeah so there there'll be plenty of times where you'll go try it out and like you're you'll get your you'll get your ass kicked for a long time and like even now like i'm a year and a half in so like i'm just still like an absolute baby into the or into it um i am a third degree white belt though i did get my third stripe a couple weeks ago so look out for me um one of the guys from uh from uh weedify i told him i got a stripe and he goes oh so you're so you're another another degree white belt i was like yep so um so it's just it's it's just really interesting like you know if you catch somebody, even if they're very experienced, um, in the right move, or you just happen to see something a little bit ahead of time, what what you can do. And same thing, like somebody who's brand new to jujitsu, if you're not careful, um, they'll catch you in, in a, in a situation as well. And, um, so I'm not trying to say I'm experienced at all. Like I know I'm a year and a half in, so, but, um, you know, I, I, uh, Oh, that's great! It's 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 just it's it's good, and like I'm looking forward to tomorrow when I can go roll again. So
0: that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But dare I say, also the, one of the big reasons why you're so excited about the Weedify Foundation is you get to hopefully share that now with a bunch of other combat veterans. Yeah. Which are, which obviously is a great thing because it can be very useful in their lives. It can oh, be yeah. great therapy for them.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, tons of tons of good therapy. And another thing, too, that I like about the Weedify program, so the Weedify program, not to get too far in, into the history and everything like that of, about it, but essentially it was started by a, um, by a, a, a coach and a, a triple amputee. So you think that um like when you think jujitsu you think of four limbs you think of like everything and what i love about jujitsu jujitsu is that it's so adaptive so um i mean we you have guys who are double amputees don't think from 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 knees down or are, are gone or above the knee down or gone and like they still roll and they'll still kick your ass and um and it just it's incredible to kind of think about that Um, and that's one of the things that I really like about the Weedify program is that it was started by a triple amputee. Um, and there's plenty of other people in the program. Uh, I know one of my, one of my guys is, is a double amputee, uh, that I, that I help with and, you know, that I quote unquote mentor. Um, so it's just, uh, it's, it's always adaptive and, uh, like, even, like, take a look at us. Like, we're both big guys, right? I'm 240-some-odd pounds right now. And uh, doing some inversions and stuff like that, it's might not always be in the books for me. Well, yeah, it's like
0: I've given up on that. Like, yeah. I'm not flexible enough, and nor do I want someone like Gibby smashing me down when I'm trying to invert. Fuck yeah. off. I'll stay upright. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, man. but I remember it was one class you and I were, were training together, and uh coach was teaching us inversions and like man you were such a good help you're like dude you got to just keep trying you got to keep trying and i got the inversion a little bit i don't think i'd be able to get it in actual practice so um but uh you know it, it's really it's really fun to kind of see that kind of stuff but then you have other guys like like dustin or something like that who just inverts just yeah, for the fun fold of it yeah themselves in half and you're just like what is what is going that's not on? for us like i'm yeah. okay with that like i got to play yeah. my
0: game my game is big big guy top yeah. heavy
1: pressure you know it's yeah. like where are you out that's that's my game yeah yeah so it's the same thing like with my first competition i rolled with a uh like my first competition well actually my first and only so far um the guy had 100 pounds on me who's a big boy yeah it was a big guy yeah so um i held my own until until i didn't so uh but you know he didn't he didn't tap he didn't get me to to to, to submit and anything like that so i was i was proud of that that i was able to to uh defer and all that kind of stuff um had a, had a couple of awesome guys like you on the sideline screaming for me and my kids screaming for me and uh, you know it, that's that's what it's about. It's yeah. about the teammates. It's about the. Camaraderie. But you did so good
0: too. Like you were nervous. Like it was your first time out there. The guy yeah. was fucking huge. Yeah. You know, which is such an advantage for them. You know, but it's like, but you, you held your own. You did great. You didn't get. You didn't get. You know, embarrassed or slammed or tapped out or anything. Yeah. Like no, you fucking held your own. You fought him off. You did the best you could. Yeah. You did great.
1: And then my second match, um, same thing. I, it, you always try to look at where, um, you know, having that, that, that spidey sense, if you, if you will, um, I pulled guard and totally made a mistake. Guy took advantage of it. He was up, I think like seven or seven, some odd points on me. And, um, he, uh, he went for an arm bar and I got out of it and I was just quicker to get up and then he turtled and pulled him over into uh back control. And, got a cross collar choke or I don't know. I think it was kind of like a, kind of like a bow and arrow, like a very highly modified bow and arrow. Hey, as long as they tap, it's all that matters. Yeah, like coach so, says, it doesn't always have to be pretty. It's just yeah, going to work. Yeah. Just like the Chrome dome, right? From, uh, from Luke's. Yeah. that was made up bullshit. I don't know why that guy <laughs>
0: tapped. I'd rather <laughs> die than tap to that bullshit.
1: So yeah, man. So
0: very cool. All right. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's wrap this up. That was a great first episode. I could see us doing many of these. Uh, sitting down with you is, is always fun, and I'm enjoying myself. This Thanks, is man. good. Uh, is, there, is there any kind of a closing thoughts you'd like to leave our listeners with?
1: Um, yeah, don't don't be scared to to to, to give jujitsu a try. Um, it's it's it can be intimidating. It I mean it can it, be. So it I can understand. It will why, be intimidating. I understand
0: why some people are, are maybe afraid <laughs> yeah. to walk through that door the first time.
1: Yeah, and if you and if you try it out, and you know, you, you got to also realize. Not every gym is the right gym for you. Uh, you know, as we talked about, like, true arts might not be for everybody, but I knew within the first five seconds that it was for me. Um, so keep trying to find the right gym. Keep trying to find the right coach and the right teammates and stuff like that. And, um... You know, once you find your groove, I mean, you're you're in the right spot. So. Yeah, the, the
0: biggest advice I always give to new people is, like, go try a bunch of different gyms. Yeah. Like, find the different ones in the area. Go there. Give them a couple of weeks. You know, like, train there for a couple of weeks. See what you like. See what you don't like. And then go to another one. Tell them that you're doing this. Like, hey, I just want to drop in for a few weeks or maybe a month or whatever. And then I want to go try these other ones. You know, if they're not okay with that, then maybe you don't want to go to that gym. Yeah. You know? Like, if they want you to, like, sign some contract to be exclusive to them, you can't go anywhere else. It's like. Maybe that's not the right gym to be at that. Yeah. Maybe not. But again, you gotta find what's best for you. Yeah. The only way to do that is I think to go try a bunch of different ones and see what you like. Yeah. Agreed. There's nothing wrong with that. Agreed. All right. Well, sir, it was a uh, great talking with you. It was a lot of fun. And again, I'm sure we'll do this in the future.
1: Sounds great, man. So we will it.
0: see you guys next time.
1: Have a good job. Thanks, sir.
0: All right, well, that wraps up another great episode. That was a lot of fun, and time just flew right through that. I couldn't believe it was two hours long. But it looks like I told Ryan before we started. You know, this place is the time suck. And once you get into the conversation, it tends to go for quite a while. We uh, we usually try to – well, I, I've tried to do shorter podcasts in the in the past, but it doesn't really seem to work out so well. So now I just let them go and – as long as we're having fun and it's a good time and nobody has to rush out of here, that we just kind of let him go. But Ryan's involvement in the We Defy Foundation is very cool and I'm very excited to now be a part of it and we're gonna see where we can go moving forward. And I love the fact that we'll be giving back to uh, disabled combat veterans, the ones who've obviously served uh, the country that I love and I live in. And uh, we'll hopefully be able to give some uh, little thanks back to them by getting them involved with jujitsu And helping them, well, not helping them, but hopefully allowing them to utilize that as good therapy for their lives. As I know it has been for myself and also Ryan as well. Uh, It's it's very exciting and I look forward to see where things go. If you guys are still listening to the show, thank you so much for all of your support. It really does mean the world to me. Please go out to wherever you're listening to this and leave the show a five-star review. Uh, share this with your friends. Talk about it on social media. Do all that kind of good stuff. And we'll keep seeing this show grow as it has been over the last few months. Because it's all been you guys. It's Because I don't do any kind of social media or anything like that. So it's all of it growing is just word of mouth and grassroots. And, and I love it. It's awesome. If you do have any questions of the show or maybe some questions you want to ask Ryan about the Defy Foundation, please feel free to reach out to us. You can contact us at the uncensored At uncensoredhumanity.com, you can fill out the contact us form, or you can send us an email at uncensoredhumanitypodcast at gmail.com. Those will land in my inbox, and we will get those questions answered on an upcoming episode. But that is all we have time for this week. So we will see you guys next time on Uncensored Humanity.